What's up, Biker Bar? I'm Robert, and this is the Biker Channel. Boom! I finally got it right. Episode, what did it take me here? Episode 34, best bang for your buck today. That's what we're going to be talking about. I have two other YouTubers on. You're probably, probably familiar with these guys. I have Joseph from uh, Trail Features Channel and also RC from the Outdoor Gold Channel. But first, you get to listen to me talk about why I'm freaking stoked about you guys being here. First, first things first, man, 34 episodes. This is pretty sick. I'm um, excited about that. And I wanted to tell you guys that the biker bar, I forgot to do this last week. The biker bar is on every Sunday at 5 p.m. PST. Tune in for that. If you want to make sure that uh, you get to always see this show, you should probably follow my Instagram or my Facebook at BikerB1 because every once in a while there are some weird scheduling things that happen and somebody, we need to push it back an hour, we need to push it forward an hour. So it makes it tough to, to let everybody know. I do send out a, a community chat whenever I do that. But more importantly, I'd much rather you guys join my Instagram because I just forgot about the community tab until about a second ago. So moving on. <laughs> um, if you guys like this hat that I'm wearing, if, you, if you're listening, it's a black hat and it says biker on it. It's pretty fucking sick. It's actually the coolest hat you've ever imagined in your life if you're listening. If you're seeing... You can see what I'm wearing. If you want to pick one of those up, go ahead and swing by shop.biker.com and you can grab one over there. And uh, there is a bunch of different colors. So you can you can get gray or navy blue or there's even one that looks like if you're a Marine, it's like the, the yellow and red Marine colors. So there's a little bit there for everyone. Um, as far as those, those of you guys have been asking me about how to get stickers, the only way to get stickers now is join my Patreon. So it's five bucks a month to be in the club that gets you the stickers. And it's completely up to you how long you fucking hang out. What do you think those stickers are worth? So if you only hang out for one month, I guess you got stickers for five bucks. If you hang out for a couple of months, write the fuck on. Otherwise, like I said, I, once you join that that level of Patreon, I send the stickers out right away and it is what it is. So hopefully you guys don't make me go broke by giving out stickers. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get started. I'll let, I'll let uh, the two guys that are on introduce their channels just in case you're not familiar with them. Those of you guys that are new subscribers or maybe new to, to the mountain bike YouTubing world. We have... Uh, Joseph from Trail Features, uh, go ahead and give us a little shout out. Let us know what's up with your channel. Hey, everyone. Uh, so, yeah, I mainly am a giant computer camera bike geek. So over on my channel, you'll see me goofing off with bikes, playing with cameras and giving you some tips and tricks on both. And that's basically what I got going on. Sweet. And then other than that, we have this other guy. He has a few 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 extra names we, we call them you can, <laughs> if you're looking for them on youtube it's rc gold if you're listening to me chat about people that are are my friends normally i give them nicknames or just talk shit about them so i, I i've been dubbing him as the diesel or the the tampax sampler <laughs> but i think we had one more i can't remember what it was but it's rc gold rc from the outdoor gold channel uh, rc go ahead and give us a, a shout out where you're at and, and what you do on your channel Hey, what's up, guys? It's RC. I changed the name of my channel to RC's Outdoor Gold to, to make it more complicated if it wasn't already. But anyway, I'm kind of like the jack of all trades, master of none, uh, outdoorsman kind of guy. Mostly do mountain biking content from reviews uh, to trail rides. And uh, I've done some drone vlogs in the past. So uh, just a lot of well-rounded um, outdoor activities, and uh, but mostly mountain biking. 
Sweet. So um, the the main reason that this this thing came came together is like I was saying in the intro. Sometimes some things change, and and one of the uh, people that I had told everybody last week was going to be on the show is a pro rider, and they had some things come up with their the photo shoot that they were on, fucking famous and shit. And uh, so they just it, it made it easier to to go ahead and try something something else for this week's show so that's like i said in the past why i don't like saying what's up next week because this shit happens but it is what it is here we are we got a great show coming this um show actually partially already happened so on i think it was wednesday or thursday night i i kicked off like a regular live stream which is just watch robert get drunk in his garage and um that that went from i'm only going to be on for like an hour to like, I think it was like four hours. And at the very tail end of that conversation, the three of us that are here right now had a great conversation and it was kind of, we were kind of doing like a, a this or that kind of, uh, of, uh, of conversation. So let me explain what I'm trying to say. I think it was Joe that originally like stated the first question. And I think we'll, we'll start there and just go ahead and shoot off from there. And he was like, you know, what, what was that, Joe? Was it like what was what's the most important upgrade on a bike? Is that what you said? I, th <clears throat> I think it was more like you know what was the upgrade that really made you think, oh wow, that was totally game changing. Right. So let's go ahead and start there, and then I'll, I'll I think we can change it into what I ended up changing it into when I was like, it's this or it's that. So so for me, I think if I was buying a brand new bike and, and, and recently I have the chameleon and I will tell you the very, very, very first thing that there was no way that I was going to ride any more rides without. And, and, and keep in mind, this bike had like the cheap fucking Walmart pedals on it. There was still one thing that I was definitely not going to ride another ride without. And that's the dropper post. Um, for me, I was always one of those guys that didn't buy into that dropper post thing. I mean, how about you guys? Were you guys like right in on the dropper post right away? Man, for me, um, see, I'd taken a break from riding bikes for a while. The last time I was on a bike when I was like 16 and then moved to Colorado and decided to quit mountain biking because I'm smart like that. And then got back into mountain biking when I was 24 and so much had changed. And I had got a entry-level hardtail rode that for a while sold it and then decided to build up a bike which was a fun endeavor in itself but i got a dropper post because like i was looking at all the people saying yeah this is totally awesome and i grew up in the 90s you know hitting that quick release lowering the saddle and then riding down whatever you needed and then raising it back up and i just never thought anything of it that was just the way it worked uh so i really wasn't against it i just decided to give it a try bought a used dropper post did not get the right size it was too tall so i had to like kind of fidget with it every time i brought it up i had to like kind of sit down on it a little bit and bring it down to where i could yeah, actually pedal in the ass <laughs> yeah but even then literally yeah <laughs> actually literally right. yeah. uh but yeah even then i was like yeah i can't imagine riding without this this is awesome so so the bike that you first got to get back into it you didn't have it right no, that was a, uh, like I got it on sale for like $400. It was a brand new, uh, Kona Lanai, Lanai. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was bare bones hardtail, but it got me back on a bike and it was fun for me. It was like exactly what you just explained. Like I'd been riding for years without one. 
So whenever people were like, oh, go spend, because when they first came out, it was like 400 bucks, man. They I mean, they, were, they weren't they were killing it like like PNW is like $200 for a damn good dropper, you know? Like it was like four bills when they first started. And I was like, there's no way I'm spending $400 for for some something like this that I've been doing ex like fine with. Like I never felt like, oh shit, I fucking really need to have a dropper right now. You know what I mean? So to me, I was like, I just talked shit about all the guys that went out and spent 400 bucks all the time <laughs> until I finally got one. And even when I first got one, it took some, some getting used to. And, and um, I, I'm sure RC probably can't speak to this because he's just a baby and they, they probably all came <laughs> with droppers then. But um, like for me, like it was like, I was so used to that being like a third contact point when I was down, like going downhill, like you would kind of squeeze your seat with your inner thighs a little bit. So when that, my first one was like a 125 and, and that, um, that, that just seemed like it was, it was crazy that it was moving, like it was gone, you know, and it didn't take much longer until like then I needed a 150. Now I'm running a 170. If the chameleon didn't have a bent seat tube, I would have a 200 in that fucking thing. So how about you, RC? Did you start out right away with it or? I mean, it kind of came to me as a, a product that I already had like some skepticism on uh, at that. As you guys were kind of talking about before, it had that really steep price tag of, I don't know, an average of $400 or more. And there wasn't really a lot of competition at the market in the market at the time. And so I wasn't sure. It's kind of like when you have a full suspension bike, you already have a lot of moving parts to begin with. And it's like you add a $400 driver post and now you have more parts to break because it's mountain biking and you're rock riding on rocks and dirt. So I wanted to get on board with it immediately just because like the terrain uh, where I live kind of really requires a dropper post because you're going to be climbing one second and you're going to be descending the next second. And there's just some of these roller coaster style trails that you're going to be riding on. Uh, I saw the immediate benefits there. And so I got my first dropper post at the cost of say $400 or whatever. And it lasted like two weeks. And then oh, I was shit. even more, I, know, I was even more skeptical afterwards. And so uh, I think it really kind of like grew on me when uh, Fox released a transfer. Oh, I think wow. that was kind of the, I didn't even like, I actually got my first one by proxy. Like I, I was, I was buying another, like I, I always ride a large frame instead of an extra large, probably what I should rise ride for my size. And at some point I was like, man, I don't know, maybe I should have bought an extra large. And this is after I've been riding my bike for like maybe five years or something like that. So at that point, like on the used market, I could pick up another one for like nothing. So I was like, oh, well, fuck it. I'll go buy another one. I'll just take all the parts off of it, throw the parts onto the, the large frame that I have, sell that, and then I'll have an extra large. And whenever I did that, the, the guy that I bought the bike from um, had a dropper on it. And I, I actually even remember asking him because he sold the bike to me for 500 bucks, man. And I remember looking huh. at him being like, dude, that dropper is probably worth like half of this at least, you know? <laughs> like, are you sure you don't want the dropper? And he's like, no, no, I got a new bike. It has one on it already. Like, he's like, it's your, my loss of your game. I was like, right on. So like, honestly, I, I probably wouldn't have even bought one for God knows how long after that, if it wouldn't have been for that, that situation. Well, and the other question I have is how many dropper posts are too many dropper posts? You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, I can say that literally every bike has or will have a dropper post because my salsa via, which is sitting uh, against this wall, it's a gravel adventure bike. 
I actually bought a um, dropper post that I'm going to install on that. Oh, dude, I'm I'm so stoked that you just said that because honestly, like I have a CX bike and the last time that I rode that, so those of you guys that don't know this genre, like CX, gravel, those are both generally the same thing. There's probably some kind of industry difference, but as far as I'm concerned, that's the same thing or a cross bike. If you hear somebody say that. So it basically looks like a road bike, but it has like knobby fatter tires on it. It's, it's a bike for a roadie that doesn't quite want to go full mountain biking. Yeah. Uh, but like you can, it's kind of the, it's the gateway drug to mountain biking. So like and, the trails that you could take your, like your lady and your little kid on that are like super lame, but they're just dirt. Like you can ride that bike on there. <laughs> yeah. No, here's the thing. Like, um, you know, especially right now, because basically all the high Alpine trails here in Colorado are shut down. It's just been a miserable winter. Great. If you're a snowboarder skier and also great for just the and ecosystem. Yeah, <laughs> but like it's just been impossible to ride. But like now we're getting into spring and a lot of the lower level green trails that would be completely boring and mundane on a even just a good hardtail. You take a CX gravel bike out there. It's a freaking blast. You turn this little stretch of green ribbon into like a racetrack. It's so much fun. Yeah, there, the thing about two like or like where I live, like there's uh, uh like kind of like a a paved trail next to the river that's about 36 miles long and at the end of that there is a mountain biking area that's pretty tame too so like i could leave my house on my cx bike ride that road slash trail up to that that trail system ride that trail system for a little bit and ride home so it's like it's pretty cool that way but the point of what i so the we did we digressed right so the yeah. point of that was that I was really stoked that you said that is when I rode mine last, I was thinking to myself, God, I need a dropper, but I don't know if there is like an efficient, like button or location for a dropper button on a, on a CX, like on a drop bar system. Okay. So actually, yes. So PNW has a dropper post specifically made for gravel bikes. What? You know? Yep, they do. And I and I I have it. I'm gonna install it. It's just another one of the things that I'll get to eventually. Um but anyways, uh they have one that's like specifically made for the drop bars. So you can like mount it to the drop bar and it's a little easier to hit. But they um there's also people that kind of hack them. Like for me, I have two brake levers, but I uh only use one shifter because mine's a one by ten. So basically, I'm just going to, you know, hotwire the sh uh, left shifter that would be for the front chain ring, and that's going to be my dropper post lever. So it's going to be kind of stealth, you know, you won't realize it's there. That's pretty sick. Yeah. I'm or at least definitely... that's how I tell myself it's going to go, and then two days later and five parts that don't fit, I'm going to go ahead and install the lever that came with it. Dude, I'm all in on the PNW now. <laughs> and and those of you guys that aren't on my Patreon, I have a 15% coupon on there. So join my Patreon, you fucks. <laughs> Smash so wants to see the gravel dropper. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. I was trying to pull it up here. I do have the ability. I, I literally have it in the closet if you want me to dig it out. <laughs> what else do you got in the closet, Joe? <laughs> uh, I also have an MRP ribbon and a Yari sitting there collecting dust. What, what, a what, ribbon? Yeah. What, what's up with the ribbon? Was that? Please tell me it's a 29er. 
Uh, it's a 29er and it's going to be going on another bike, which is oh, well, fuck you, man, over here. I don't have a problem, people. You have a problem. <laughs> I I was really excited about that because I'm looking for, I need a 140 fork for the chameleon really bad. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm not making freaking progress on, on getting that purchased or worked out. So anyways, so I guess then we should move on. So I guess that was, that was mine, my number one. I don't know. Is that the number one for the both of you guys as well, RC? Oh, it's it's such like number one kind of like item that you need or like versus budget, so to I, speak. I would say no budget at all. I would just say like if you got a brand new bike, this would be the thing that it has to be have. Mm. So, I mean, it's kind of funny because it's like if I think back the dropper post, it's kind of like, man, it is so necessary to have in, in 2019. Actually, it was really necessary to have in 2016. I think it was necessary um, to have in 1995. I know. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I mean, it, it's pretty hard to beat that one in terms like uh, in terms of an upgrade. But I, if I'm going to give a close second place, if not like a competitive uh, uh, contender, I would say definitely a hub upgrade. So anything with positive engagement is something that you'll immediately feel on a trail. I mean, just as you get kind of positive engagement from a dropper post, um, kind of like coming in at a near value would be just to upgrade your hub. If you're running DT Swiss, uh, we'll just say 350 hubs or something like that. I mean, you could upgrade your star ratchets and go to 54. In other cases, you can uh, get an I9 or a, uh, I think it's profile. Uh, yeah. There's just so many great or Onyx yeah. hubs. I mean, those Onyx, are Project Three Two One. They have really good hubs too. If you want to save some money and have a hub that's just as good as like an i nine. Yep. And I mean, but it's just but the the key here is you get performance that you feel and notice right away. I mean, maybe you don't need them immediately right off the bat if you're a beginning mountain biker, but if you've been somebody, if you're somebody that's been around the block, it kind of becomes like. One of those things that you can't live without that positive engagement, like that's immediate. You just see a rock and you got to climb up over it, or you just need to start spinning the cranks to to hit a jump or something like that. I, hubs are pretty uh, pretty competitive there, in my opinion. Are you on board with the hub as a as a number two trail features? No. Mm. All right. So before you get into no, I want to talk about it for me. I am one of those guys that's like. Like I really relate with BKXE when he talks about like he can't demo bikes because he can't really tell a difference, you know. And I'm I'm definitely like one of those guys where it takes like it takes like ten rides before I even like notice that freaking well until I get annoyed with that squeak enough that I'll I'll try to fix it or it'll be like fifteen rides later until I finally notice something on my bike or you know like where where it's like something really annoying me. So like at this point I've been on the chameleon for since like December and I have never had a problem with the hubs at all because I'm a fucking idiot. Um, I was climbing on that thing yesterday and it's like one of those climbs where it's just like a long, long ruler. And when you like get out of the saddle, cause you just need to freaking like get blood back to your toes again. And you're just trying to stand up and maybe give yourself like a little bit of break. So you like, you kind of stand up and you let the weight from one side of your body, just kind of push the pedal down and the weight on the other side of your body, push the pedal down. And I'm, I've been using really good hubs for probably over 10 years. And that moment when I tried to do that on this bike is whenever I realized how shitty my hubs were. 
because this is the bottom of the line bike. This is not upgrade at all. So when I stood up, my my one foot fell for like an inch or two before I felt that fucking engagement. And at that point, I was like, like it was jarring. Like it was like it, I have not had that feeling for so long because I've been, like I said, riding really good hubs that I completely forgot what it felt like to have a shitty hub, you know. And then I really started thinking about it as I was riding, and it's like. Um, I apologize for those of you guys that are, 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 are listening instead of watching, like when you ratchet your feet to kind of get over a, a rock where you kind of pull back an inch or two, push, pull back an inch or two and push when your engagement's shitty, that's a shit show. Like it just is annoying as hell. So I'm, I'm with you on the hub ish. I'm not going to yeah, say a hundred percent as, as yes, because I, I feel like that's, it's tough to say replace your hub without saying replace your wheels. So yep. I want to hear what, what Joseph, why his, his no is first though. So here's the thing, like hubs, I, I don't disagree. Having great engagement is great, but like sometimes, especially like if you follow my channel, you know that I just like this past uh, winter sold my Yeti SB5 plus and I decided to get the budget, like base model GT sensor, because I wanted to, one, find out for myself what a budget bike is capable of, and two, show people like, okay, here's where you should put your money on a budget bike like this for the best return. And it makes me think about when I was back in Austin, you know, back when I was 24, getting back into biking and having to relearn all this stuff that I I was a very good biker when I was 16. I had a 98 GT Ricochet. It was like a 97, 98 GT Ricochet. I had SBD pedals. I had, a, I was kind of spoiled for back then. Now, fast forward to 24 and I built up my Ragley big wig and I had already gone through kind of like trying to upgrade that Kona. That was like $400. And my buddy, Paul, did you say Ragley? Did you mean Raleigh? No, Ragley. Oh, Ragley I never heard of that. Sorry. I was no, like, is this guy like fucking turn this into Target or something like that? Or what's going on here? Yeah, no, no, no. It's, okay, it's sorry. A, uh, I think it's, um, I can't remember if they're like in the UK or something like that, but okay. they're a European brand. Got so, it. So yes, it is fancy pinky out. Um, <laughs> anyways, they're actually really affordable. They make great bikes. But anyways, I built up this Ragley bigwig from scratch and I was running flats because I didn't want to spend the money on clipless. And I had gotten nice flat pedals and thought that was all I needed. And I was just using my hiking shoes and I got so many shinners, like my shins were just getting demolished. And I was complaining to my buddy Paul about it. And he goes, well, I mean, like what shoes are you running? Are you running five tens? What's going on? It's like, what's, what's a five ten? And he sends me a link to it. And I like, I saw, I think it was like, 510 free riders were still like 120, 150 back then. They were still expensive. But, you know, he's like, no, seriously, dude, you have to get these. Because, like, I was finding the limits of my shoes because I was starting to progress past the point where my feet could stay on the pedals and I was getting hurt really bad. And I got the 510s. The very first time I went on a ride, I never question my buddy's advice ever again because those five tens were like 
it's very rare that you get to hop on a new upgrade or a new part or something and just feel instantly the difference. Those five tens completely changed how I rode on the bike and made me hit stuff harder and faster than I was ever thinking I was going to do. So that's my, that would be my number two. I will say that is probably like, I, I have to agree with you just in the terms of the chameleon. Cause that was the second thing that I changed. I mean, I put the dropper on and the second thing I, and I wasn't even thinking about this until you said that, like the pedals were, that was a fucking no brainer, especially like if you buy like a low end bike or, I mean, if you buy a high end bike, if, if that's your first bike, you do have to buy good pedals too. Like it only comes yeah. with the plastic ones. Right. But and, they're, you know, those contact points are only as good as the weakest link. So like you, you could buy the best, like $150 stamps, you know, pedals from Crink Brothers. If you're wearing hiking shoes, they're going to slide right off. Or yeah. they're going to yep. hiking shoes in a minute. Yeah. You know, yeah. It sucks about pedals is like, this is my first time riding flats in a long time. And I guess I'm kind of changing it from the shoes. Maybe it is still the shoes too. I don't know. But like, I have been like fucking up my knee pad, something fierce, dude, with my pedals on that thing. Like I just shredded the back of my, my yeah. both of my pads on, on the last ride. And not even like paying attention, just like standing on the side of the trail, like, and oh, just yeah. like rubbing it up. It's like, ah, oh, that fuck, is man. such a good point. It's <laughs> so yeah. dude. Like, I don't know. Like I saw some shit like a while ago where there was some pedals that were like magnetic or something like that. Did uh, you guys see those? No. Yeah, they didn't end well. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't work out. It was, it was an, it was a novel experiment. A lot of people like, well, that's really innovative. <laughs> but they didn't quite work. Didn't work. Did I, I, I could just see. I could just see all the iron building up underneath on the the pedals every time, like you said in the dirt. I mean, you'd like have to carry a bucket because I mean, smelt <laughs> that down and uh, make some new pedals out of it or something. I don't Girl, know. <laughs> this, this is a thirty pound bike, and then every six months, it's a it's a fifty pound bike. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, if only you get the gold to stick like that, you'd make a lot more money. You'd actually make money off mountain biking instead of spend money mountain biking. That's hilarious. So, <laughs> so definitely for the shoes, you know, honestly, and I, I I'll spin the shoes too, uh, on the, on the, the, the SPD side. Like if you have good SPD pedals or crank brothers or whatever kind of clip that you're using that doesn't have a platform and you don't have a shoe that has a really good, like, Oh, yeah. like platform underneath it like i always would spend the money on those like carbon kind of like i don't know what they call it the carbon sole or something like that so that it's like that doesn't flex when you're pushing on it like that's really important as well like if you buy like a i don't understand like the the shoes that you'll see that look like sneakers and kind of wear like sneakers but they have a clip in it because it it takes away from that like that flat platform that you're looking for that solid platform that um it's just it's kind of like worthless it's like why even bother with the spds and you're kind of you have such a good point because we were talking about this the other day robert that i mean it's really get it's really easy to get sucked into the trap of getting incompatible components uh like having the wrong shoes to go with uh clipless pedals i mean there's nothing worse than like having the ones without the platform and then having shoes that are super flexible it's just extremely painful uh the same thing could be said about uh, having the wrong tire width, uh, with the wrong inner rim width on a wheel set. So it's just like, I don't know what, 
you kind of consider it to be an upgrade in that situation, but it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, if you do upgrade, if you are trying to get the bang for your buck and it's not so much as bang for your buck, it's also getting the performance to actually make the bang yeah. uh, move forward in a positive direction. But that's just so key. Two wheel freedom said that what I was trying to uh, come up with there is the shank. That's what they call it underneath your foot on the, on the clip shoes. Hmm. So, that was, I was like, yeah, I can't, I'm freaking drawing a blank on, or I was drawing a blank on that. I appreciate him, him throwing that out there. Definitely. You know, it, you know, let's get into, let's get into that a little bit too. Cause I think an, an immediately whenever we first started this conversation, like all of us went a hundred percent into parts and there are some things whenever I talk to somebody who's, who's just getting into riding that I'm like, dude, you're going to fucking hate riding if you don't get these things. And one of the ver first thing I tell people is like clothing, like get yourself a pair of shorts. Mm -hmm. That's really fucking good. That have a good chamois in them. Like, even if you, if you like, I, I I'm a, a solid believer in like, like uh, wicking shirts and, but I would say still ride with a cotton shirt, but buy yourself some real fucking shorts, man. Cause it <laughs> makes like a world of difference, even down to something like, like, Oh, you could wear some like, Let's say you were wearing some, some like board shorts instead. First of all, your your freaking taint's not gonna like you without the chamois. But second, like with with <laughs> with like regular shorts, the way that they're designed, man, you'll just keep hooking your seat on the crotch of your shorts, and that is like that that's that's a fucking day ender if it if it happens at the wrong wrong time, okay. man. That that was totally me. Like uh, once again, when I was back in Austin, getting back into mountain biking. I just put on some basketball shorts and yes, even like, even with the dropper post, there are times where like, I'd be going down and freaking my shorts would get caught on the saddle, which best case scenario made a very awkward situation when my pants would get pulled down on the trail <laughs> to a group of cute girls. But worst case scenario, like, yeah, I suddenly was going OTB because my weight wasn't shifted back where it needed to be two seconds ago. It's not awkward if you're hung like a horse, though. Uh, <laughs> it, can, it can end awkward. It can end very awkward. Well, I guess nowadays, <laughs> you know. Well, <laughs> now, the only time you should be wearing gym shorts and tank tops uh, while mountain biking is if you're trying to make a statement. That's where <laughs> everything changes. You're trying to make a statement on the trail. <laughs> <laughs> so now that we're talking about shorts, I'm going to bring up this thing, dude, that I that my, my buddies and I always joke around about with, with each other is so when you wear a chamois, do you wear underwear underneath them or do you wear just the chamois? Oh, definitely like the, the really thin, like, uh, athletic, uh, underwear. Yeah. That's what yeah. I do too. Like with the yeah. wicking ones. Cause I feel like a, I don't want poop on the chamois. I'm not very <laughs> good at like fucking wiping my ass and got up. I'm a hairy motherfucker. Right. So like, <laughs> a, I don't want poop on the chamois and B dude, the way that those things are like sewn together, man, just makes my junk feel weird, dude. And I can't oh, no. fucking handle it. Then I spend the entire ride thinking about like, man, I'm going to look like I have a canker sore in the end of my <laughs> shit because I'm fucking rubbing against this seam or something, man. You guys are weird. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm okay. just watching the chat just blow up right yeah. now. Yeah, no, 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 underwear, man. You never wear. Just embrace I'm, it. I'm glad. See, that's actually the only reason I invited RC to come on, so I would have one other person that's an underwear wearer. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's gotta be like it's gotta be like the thick, like. 
there's nothing worse than getting chafing while riding, you know? And it's just like, I mean, you might as well wear it if you're going to avoid the chafing. Right. That's I mean, it's about the chafing, dude. That's what we're doing. The chafing. The chafing. I mean, if you go to like Waterworld or like the swimming pool or something like that, and you're going to hit some freaking rides. I mean, if you got like, if you got the protection underneath of the shorts, you're not going to get the chafing, which means you're going to have a good day. <laughs> it's really simple dude i've seen guys freaking rip their shit man what happens when you rip your shorts and your chamois you have no <laughs> underwear on guess what fucking world's the world seeing your shit hopefully yeah. you're hung like a horse <laughs> hey, at least you're gonna have very good venting right <laughs> at that point you just you've given up on the chafing <laughs> everybody that's just getting into the stream right now is like what the fuck did i just sign up for <laughs> at, 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 yeah. at minimum i do think that we have found your viewers rob the yeah. solution to their bang for the buck in mountain biking and it had nothing to do with parts or components <laughs> Wear it, underwear. Was, it was compatible components chamois yeah. <laughs> and under armor compatible components i love it uh, okay. so i take it joe's in the no underwear in the no underwear side, yes so. because uh, let's hear the underwear argument what why do i not wear underwear <laughs> yeah because they're designed to be worn without underwear i don't want to get in with you guys because i feel like this is a losing battle this is a losing battle i'm, Dude, I'm you two to everybody one. in the chat is on your side so it's, it's two to one and you guys are a lot more uh resilient than me <laughs> <laughs> all right i will so, say that though so now real quick on the topic of shorts um i've found that the best shorts for mountain biking are actually not mountain biking shorts and it's because like i crash a lot actually and usually like i skid out or something like that you know wash out in a berm or something and i have shredded so many bike shorts from like fox and pearl azumi and basically anything that's made for mountain biking and i got so fed up with it so i went back to my buddy paul and asked him i was like hey you're pretty good on the 510 so what's a good pair of shorts and he goes prana prana makes these really nice stretchy shorts i have crashed in those things like 10 times you wouldn't be able to tell they still look brand new i don't know what it is that they're made out of but they're super comfy stretchable breathable but like you're probably going to walk away more beat up than they will in a crash are you guys wearing i agree with you dude because that that's one of the like turnoffs on some of the shorts that i i've bought some like 90 dollars fox shorts and it was like the first wreck i had they were fucking toast yeah. and that, that was like one of those things where it was like mental note don't buy these again where it's like other ones like Zoics. I have Zoics that have a lot of that that uh kind of that resilient kind of material. It's almost like spandex, but it's not. And those ones, man, I've freaking eaten shit in those plenty of times, and they're they're still doing good. Yeah. What I was gonna ask is like I, I've noticed like Zoic started doing this, and some other brands that do it have done it already. Is like what length knee do you like? Do you like them over the knee? Me personally, I like mine like a little higher than the knee because I feel like. I don't ever want my shorts to like get hung up on my knee. And I, I see these guys that wear them that like come over the end of the kneecap. And I just feel like it would get annoying in the ride. Um, I mean, I'm well, I have weird. this to say real quick. The last thing you want to do when you're on the trail is you don't want to look like a Jerry. I mean, that, you, <laughs> you do not want to look like a Jerry when you're on the trail. So you got to have your style dialed. That's all I have to say about that. 
I like mine to come just like right, right below the knee because um, I'm a pasty white boy. And so if I forget to apply sunblock to anywhere, it's getting burned. And so I like the ones that go a little bit over because then when I'm wearing my pads and I'm sitting on the bike, my shorts don't ride up and expose that one little sliver of skin, which <laughs> makes you look like a Jerry. But also like that is one of the worst places to get a sunburn, let me tell you, because the next day when you go to put pants on to go to work, you're just like, ow, ow. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, I, I, I couldn't do it. I just can't, I can't even bring myself to try it. But like at the same time, like, I mean, if you don't want to get in the market for like mountain biking shorts, I've been a big fan of using board shorts in the past. Just like, I mean, hell, even swing trunks, like in, in, in the right style thing to, to get the job done, you get the flexibility in the movement. And uh, yeah, they're also I, really, really light. And especially when it's summertime and it's hot out. Yeah, they, they'll dry quickly too. Like yep. if, if I was going to say, dude, if you're on a budget and you, you're like, hey, I go buy, go buy, like they have chamois on fucking Amazon where you can get them for like 15 bucks. So you could order like three of them. Who cares if they wear out? One of my buddies, uh, Moonlight Leatherfoot, I had sent him a link to some and he's been using those for a while. And he's like, yeah, they're not bad. You know, you just throw them away. They're not that expensive. And then just wear board shorts. I mean, then you can get you, you can get your style dialed in. It's the same thing. They dry quickly, you know. I think that's the thing that sucks whenever you're freaking riding and you get wet or something like that. Yep. You're just carrying around all that moisture or whatever. I guess if we were in uh, if we were in Canada or in the PNW, we'd be like jeans and flannels. <laughs> <laughs> where's riding fucking where, where's daily when you need him? Yeah, I know, right? It's got to be like the skinny jeans too, because you don't want to get your pants caught in your in your crank. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I have jokes for that all day. I'm just gonna keep it to myself right now. <laughs> so let, let's get back. Let's get back. I, or is there anything else? Like, I guess the other thing too that I would tell people, like just starting as far as like like clothing goes, like you definitely need some. You need gloves. Lots of guys are like. They'll, they'll like, they'll be like, Oh, I want to get gloves. And for some reason, like back in the day, everybody wanted gloves that were like, the fingers were cut off. Yeah, and every time I, I explain to him, yeah. And every time I explain to him, I'm like, look, dude, you're mountain biking. You want the whole finger to be covered. And they're like, why? And I'm like, dude, first time you ride through a tight trail and it's got a bunch of briars on the side and, or you eat shit, dude. And you put your hand down, not all your fingers are cut except for where your glove is, is like, that's the reason that as a mountain biker, you want full finger gloves. There's no fucking question about it. Now I'll also say this about like gloves. I mean, I can talk about gloves until the cows come home. I mean, I've, I've worn well, all we, we got, we got an hour and a half to go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't plan on. So number one, Full disclosure, I do not have any ambassadorships with any company. So if I'm just, if I'm so, throwing something out there, it's from the kindness of my heart. Number two, so I am a huge fan of Tasco gloves and hand-up gloves. And it's not because of uh, what they do in the YouTube community, what they mean to the mountain biking community. It's because I legitimately think that they are an awesome product for mountain biking. So when I look at gloves, I want to see the stitching underneath the hand because if the stitching falls apart underneath the hand, the glove is done and it's over and you're, you're buying new gloves. I like hand up and Tasco because they do that leather palm underneath of it. And so there's no stitching from the tips of your fingers unless it's to the, the, the material on the top down below. And it's like, I've taken so many wrecks of those gloves that like for, I don't know what they cost, like 25, 30 bucks or whatever. It's just like, I, 
I had like I could drag my hands across the dirt and they just hold together. I'll tell you, I don't right, know about you guys. Uh, right now, I did not even give a fuck about trying those gloves whenever they first came out because I was one of those people that felt like I always needed to buy gloves that had pads like on the mm -hmm. like the heel of my hand and and at the very least on the heel of my hand. If they had them across like I don't know what that part is like like right where your fingers connect to your hand. Like, I don't know what mm -hmm. you call that. Like there too, like those were usually like where I wanted to have pads at. And so I never wanted to try them. And, and it wasn't until, um, it was another YouTuber sent me a pair of Tasco gloves. He was a Tasco ambassador. Um, Brian Vaughn. Brian Vaughn. Yeah. He sent me a pair of them. I wouldn't have bought them if it wouldn't have been him, him sending them to me. And once he sent them to me, I was like, Oh wow. I guess I actually don't need those pads. Like, like, but I would have never <laughs> bought because gloves are expensive. You know what I mean? It's like fucking 40 yep. bucks, dude. It's like, you don't want to buy something that you're like, at least for me, I'm, I'm a cheap ass. So I'm like, I don't want to buy something just to like, try it. Like I want to buy something that I know is going to work. And that's what I've been using. So I knew that's what worked. Mm -hmm. So like whenever I tried those though, dude, I'm with you hundred percent. Like I, I love, I love, I love the fact, the way that they fit. And I also like the whole fucking matchy matchy thing. I didn't know yeah. I was going to fall into that group, but it's fun. It's okay. it is. I've always liked like their bold designs that they have like on the gloves. It's kind of like a, like the gloves that stick out. Some other people don't obviously, but I mean the last point that I'm going to put out with like those gloves is that this is not a budget option. But I've been wearing those as we we call them minimalist gloves, I guess, with uh, with rev grips on my bike. And rev grips are by no means cheap but they're effective and they work. And so I like having that glove that like, I don't know, it seems like it is so minimal on the handlebars and you have like kind of shock dampening uh, grips on there. It's just like that, that combination is like one I'm not interested in getting out of right anytime soon, not budget, but a combination I'm not planning on getting out of anytime soon. Uh, you know what? Let's go ahead and switch gears then, because since yeah. you mentioned the rev, rev grips, that is also one of the, the three things that I freaking bought for the chameleon right out the gate. Because oh, nice. that's, that's one of those, and I didn't buy rev grips, but grips is what I was going to yeah, say. Grips. In general, like one of the things when I demo bikes, nine times out of 10, one of the two things that I bitch about is the seat and the grips, like always. Contact like, points are such a huge deal that often get overlooked. Yeah, and I think some people like like smaller grips. Some people like bigger. Like I like grips that are like more meaty, and it, like it's not because like I have huge hands. Honestly, I don't have like really big hands. You you know what I mean? Like some people are like, oh, that's because you're a big guy. You must have big hands. And it's like, no, that's not the case. It's just like I I like that feeling of of like just a little bit more diameter in my grips. And then also if they're not like grips that do well, like when they're wet as well oh there's jokes in there believe me i know yeah, I, was <laughs> I was like oh man. Space. yeah yeah I, I was trying not to do it to myself i was like i'm gonna let somebody else do that. <laughs> but uh uh yeah it's just like also like if if they get wet you know or or as your hands sweat like if if I feel like if you're loose in that spot or it's like, you know, man, there is nothing but dick jokes around this whole conversation. <laughs> this is this hole is getting <laughs> this this is a grave and it's getting deeper right yeah, now. Yeah, I know, right? So so do you guys like skinny grips or do you guys like fat grips? I like a grip with a nice bit of texture in it. You know, something <laughs> to hold on to. An anti-lubrication <laughs> grip. That's what he wants. Just just raw and dirty. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So on a serious note, because otherwise we're going to be like a bunch of grade school kids here. Um, <laughs> so grips, you know, um, it's gotten to the point these days where like you can buy $20 grips that work great. It really comes down to just finding a, a grip that you find comfortable. There's no wrong answer. It's just finding one that you put your hands on and go, yeah, that'll do. And I mean, to like kind of go on that point, um, it's kind of like whenever we talk about the word budget, we kind of go and say, oh, well, what's the cheapest, uh, the cheapest grip for a certain thing? And the cheapest grip, in my opinion, and what my experience is, it's like so many times when I decided to cut corners and cut cost, I would go with a grip that I would like for, I don't know, 10 minutes and then I buy a new one. So now you have the cost of the, the old grip that you have plus the yeah, cost yeah. of the new grip. And then, well, so like, that's kind of like one of those things that's like, can you find something? The part of the budget is finding something that you're willing to commit to because long-term, at least like for me, uh, I'm going to stick with that. Now, you can say the same thing with like Ergon seats. It's like, I've, I mean, there's a certain price point in there and like I've bought other seats in the past. I didn't like them over time. And then I bought an Ergon seat where I could have bought Ergon seat and just been done with it, you know? Yeah. 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 Totally. Do you, do, have you tried the Ergon grips? Yes. And I, I do like them for, I call them rigid grips. I like, like those, the, the ones that have like the little pad on the, on the right side, like on the outside mm -hmm. of the bar. I love them for climbing. And I thought that because I, I used to be a bar end guy until fucking I started having a YouTube channel. Everybody wouldn't shut the fuck up about it. So, <laughs> um, so I took them off. And every time I ride, I still fucking bitch at you guys. Thank you. Whoever you guys have been around for the beginning. That did that. <laughs> fucking assholes. So but the one thing that I didn't like about those grips and why I stopped using them was when I when my my hands kind of rolled around the bar as I started going downhill. I didn't like the way that it pushed my like the outside like the pinky and the ring finger. I didn't feel like I had the grip in the right spot then because of that. Like I didn't like it, so I ended up taking them off. But on like a bike that's like a round the town bike, dude, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. But so the other thing, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that's a great example of personal preference. I mean, yes, uh, a lot of people swear by ergon grips, and I, I've ran ergon grips. I didn't like them because me, as a clumsy rider, I crash a lot, and the bar ends happen to smash into rocks and stuff, mm -hmm. and they got destroyed after like one, like probably about one season, which it's hard to say in Austin because all year round you can ride, but basically after a year they were smashed, and I just didn't like the fact that my bar ends were exposed because like mm -hmm. we've all seen that video that Brian posted of that one guy who thankfully is okay, but had a really sketchy incident with uh, bar ends. So, yeah. Is he I, I the guy that, that stabbed himself in the leg? Is that who you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, but like, to be fair, like his bar actually broke, but like, yeah, I run alloy bars, so I don't want to become a, you know, kebab yeah. <laughs> on the side of the trail. So mm -hmm. in, in that same grip glove conversation, I wanted to mention this as well. I don't know if you guys do this, but I am not a fucking loose glove wearer. Like for me, like you, I, I, I have a, a typically a large glove is what I should wear. And nine times out of 10, I'll buy a medium because I like my gloves to be super tight, especially for those like, cause out here in California, we have like big, long downhills, you know, like same mm -hmm. on the climbs. So maybe in an area where you're not pushing your glove for a long time like that, 
it's not as big of a deal. But out here, what will happen is your glove will start to stretch through that that downhill section. And then it'll like it'll bunch in your palm and you'll end up getting like 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 blisters or like uh, like 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 hot spots on your palm from that glove kind of swishing around too much. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like I always like almost always size down on gloves. And those of you guys that are buying hand ups don't size down on those. They they definitely fit like true to size, but tight. I think Tasco has a little bit more give in their size. Like I can go either. I way. would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So you know what's funny? Um, it, it that term fits like a glove. I bought <laughs> uh, before, and, and, and in full disclosure, I am a Tasco ambassador. Uh, which is great that we're in a conversation where, like, Robert, you kind of lean more towards hand up gloves, right? Um, I think between the two, I don't, I, I actually don't want to say that I lean one way or the other, actually. Okay, like, so you, I like you, them both about so the both same. you and RC are equal opportunity. I'm a Tasco ambassador, so keep that in mind. Um, I had gotten both hand up and Tasco, and I actually liked the feel of the Tascos better. And that was, I didn't, that was like way before I became an ambassador, right? This was just me, regular Joe, haha, pun intended, mm -hmm. um, going out and buying <laughs> a bunch of gloves to see what fit. And I, I really liked the design. I liked some of the features of the Tasco gloves. And then I really liked the brand the more I got to know them. But it, like, that's kind of why I tell people, like, try, try. Every, if you have the budget, try everything that you can, you know, wear it out. If it doesn't work, if it makes you uncomfortable, you know, give it to a friend, but try both because you might decide one works better than the other. For me, like I identify more with the Tasco brand, but also more importantly, the, the gloves just fit me better. I like them both. Like, honestly, like there's good things that I can say about both of them. And there's things that I'm not crazy about with both of them, but like, at the end of the day, I feel like if I was telling somebody to decide between one or the other, I would tell them to decide off of like what design you like the picture of better. Yeah, like, seriously. I feel, I feel like the gloves are both just as good as the other one. Like if you like well, the, the, yellow, the yellow ones with the bear on it from Tasco, or you like the ones that say party or fucking stoked by like, like hand up. If you're like between those two, pick the one that you just like the, the design better. Yeah. Both gloves are well, The other thing that I like to break it down by is like kind of the key difference between the two gloves is for Tasco. They kind of have uh, the glove kind of goes above the wrist, which I kind of like actually, but hand up right now. I'm just going to say just right now, hand up. I like the nose wipe on the thumb over the nose wipe that's on the Tasco. Now, I, I will say that, that 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 is definitely like one of the the things that I like about the hand ups a little better is that mm -hmm. that terry cloth the whole thumb is that way. Uh, you know it's funny. I never use that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just I sweat like a fucking pig. So like <laughs> I'm like, like Oh, I sweat too, but I, I wear one of those halo headband things. I wear those too. Yes. Yeah. Oh my Which, god. Okay. I am such a oh, fucking cheap ass. I, I want one of those so you, bad. Bro. I applaud Dude, you. Robert, I want one you so bad, and I'm such so, a fucking cheap ass. I won't spend the ten dollars. Do on it. it. Just do Dude. it. Okay, so let's let's make that. That is that is such a thing that does you don't think about it, but riding in Austin, it was like you know, 
ridiculously hot. I was going to throw a colorful language in there, but oh, it uh, is the biker town. Yeah, like, I know. Yeah. But anyways, it's ridiculously hot out, and I inherited my dad's ability to sweat profusely. Um, so like, I am one of those guys that will literally just drip buckets, and there is nothing worse than about to drop in and a big old splot of sweat <laughs> yeah. drops in your eye, and you're like, okay. We're going to do it like this now. Uh, and you got no depth perception or like you're totally distracted. So for, yeah, like 10 or 20 bucks. Uh, also, if you are a gentleman who has less than full hair on the top of your head, <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's great to keep the sun off. Overall, it's really awesome. It's one of those things where like I saw it at REI. I was just like, huh. Yeah. So I'll wait, so the one you wear is like a full cap. I'm talking about it's the one that looks cap. like a, I, I've seen the ones that are the headbands because I have. I just do the headband. Yeah, because I have a shitload of hair. So I feel like if I wore the full cap, the, the sweat would turn on like, like threefold. Now I will say this about the halo headband. I do not know how many hours of saved footage from sweat falling on the lens of my GoPro that that thing has profited in me. Like that was the best. I don't know. That might. I'd be the number one grade for mountain biking YouTube. So RC, I, I mean, before it was hey, like, I mean, RC, you can, it, before you rant, yeah. let, let's give your internet yeah. a second. You were, you were going digital the whole time. Okay. Now start your rant over again. Oh, <laughs> okay. Rant. Okay. Let me, oh, let me give you the skinny rant. Number one, it has saved me so much money being the hail band, not, or at least footage money is footage, right? So from a uh, sweat falling off my forehead and onto my GoPro lens, because I had that problem like right when I was starting off, I'd ride Captain Ahab and then you look down and you're going, oh, my lens is good. And then you look down, like you will review the footage layers, like, oh, I had a drop of sweat on the bottom of the lens. Since getting that halo headband, that has not been a problem. One of the best investments in, uh, in my camera gear and youtube setup that ever made right there yeah just a headband i wear it at the gym for crying out loud <laughs> yeah uh i i do the whole cap because i was you know around i think it was like 20 i i, I was looking at my old license and my new license i was just like oh hold on a second oh 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 <laughs> so i got i got the whole headband thing uh to cover my head because yeah, sunburns suck up there, <laughs> and uh, so does skin cancer. But, anyways, it's same thing. You know, as as a YouTuber, unfortunately, we have really stupid problems that most people kind of look at us like, "Well, that's your own fault." Um, and yeah, it keeps sweat from dripping down my from my head onto my nose and down onto the lens. So check this out. Since we're talking about headbands and, and, and sweat in the eye, it made me really start thinking about another thing where you want to spend like where the bang for your buck is. Let's talk about eyewear, man. Cause, um, any uh, eyewear. honestly, like, yeah, yeah. That's that, that's the first part. Any, any is definitely the right way to start. Cause if you don't have any at all, at the very least go to fucking home Depot, buy the $10 freaking like yeah. eye protection glasses or something. You can get them in clear. Those are fine. And Actually, you can get uh, I would always get like, I would tell people like the first riding glasses you should get are the yellow tinted ones because you can wear them during the day. They don't have UV protection, but like if you're riding through high contrast areas like P&W or Austin sometimes would have thick tree cover, you would like 
be able to see better contrast in the dark areas and you can wear them till dusk. Oh yeah. Orange, orange or yellow for me, even when you buy like expensive glasses like that, there's no way I would ever buy a freaking like, uh, like a charcoal or a black colored sunglasses for riding. That's me personally, unless you guys maybe ride somewhere where like, if you live in Arizona, then maybe you could do that. But yeah, I'll, any I'll, really exposed areas, regular sunglasses are fine. Yeah. Because you, you, you know, you're going to be blinded by the end of the ride. If you don't wear sunglasses, I just, I think the reason I, I like it is because I, maybe I end up riding a lot like single track sampler and the sun starts going down and that yellow really will, you'll take them off and you'll be like, Oh shit, it's darker than I thought it was. Yeah. Well, they're so cheap. Like you can throw like, uh, buy a box and throw them in the back of your car. <laughs> Cause like, <laughs> if you lose one on the side of the trail, like, Oh, well there goes, you know, a dollar. But I will say that I've always spent the money on a good pair of glasses because I feel like the one thing that good glasses do well is don't fog. <laughs> yes. That's, yes. that's the biggest thing. And yep. then also if they fit right, they also help with that sweat in the eye thing. Like they'll, they'll kind of like, def like deflect that sweat that's rolling yeah. off your, your, your forehead and kind of push it over and, and it makes it not, not as bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I've I mean, always main... been a big fan of the, oh, go ahead, Joe. Oh no, go, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say like, I mean, it's kind of like when you start chasing performance or whatever, I would say that whatever eyeglasses you have are kind of the best ones. But for me personally, I like uh, bended glasses to push the fog out, especially when it gets kind of in that sub 40 degree area and you got like that sweat kind of coming off your face and on your glasses that helps out a lot and back in the day when i was in firefighting uh we would do so many fires and i mean they start in the evening because that's when the thunderstorms would happen and then you're working through the night and then having like uh dark shades during the day and then having the transitional lenses i don't even know if you could find those anymore but the transitional lenses were always my favorite because you kind of got the best of both worlds between clear and uh, dark you know, um, I, I want to say it's Hardtail Party had something on his Instagram this week about some brand glasses that he was using that are transitions that he was saying he really liked them a lot. I, I can't remember the brand. So any of you guys that are out there in the chat, if you guys know exactly what we're talking about, go ahead and throw that up there. I'll mention it. I'll definitely do the shout out. I am. Um, so let's get back to the bike, man. So let's do a, a this or that thing. So we did this the other night mm -hmm. and we'll, we'll pull back in the hubs in this one. So I'm going to say wheels or suspension. And when I say suspension, that could be the fork and the shock. You can take out however you want. So, so a good set of wheels, let's just for argument's sake, say carbon wheels with good hubs or a better suspension platform. So when you're looking at, um, upgrading like which way would you spend your money first that's i mean that's really tricky because it depends on where you're coming from like okay let's take the gt for example if you were to ask me which would i rather upgrade now having the amount of time that i've ridden the bike i would say going from the base uh rock shock recon to like even just a revelation or something better up front, I would definitely say suspension. But if you already have like a Skeletor or a, wait, what is it? A Revelation. I think it's like Revelation would be like a good, good, you know, budget, but not base model suspension. 
then wheels would become higher on my list. Sorry, I'm writing down links that I need to add into the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and, about you, RC. And so, I mean, it's again, it's a really, really tough question. Um, I think like it kind of depends on the suspension, the suspension, because not all suspension components are created equally, in my opinion. Um, but like to have high-end carbon rims, like if like let's just say like you're running with a uh, a RockShox Revelation or Yari, which I think are pretty good value forks, maybe uh, Monarch Plus back or something like that, and you have an aluminum bike. I think that like in that instance, I would take the carbon rims because I'm a big fan of aluminum bikes with carbon rims. But that might come more of as a personal preference thing. But if you're like talking about like a higher end bike like a pretty costly enduro style bike, maybe like a Yeti SB150 or Pivot Firebird or Ibis uh, Ritmo or something like that. I think I'm going to definitely take uh, suspension in that case uh, just because, I mean, the way to really maximize the performance of that those kinds of bikes is to definitely take big hits. And uh, I definitely don't think I'm going to go all out on the wheel set on those. Um, but if it's a lower end bike, I definitely feel like uh, like even like we take Joe's GT, which is just a poster child for budget bike. I mean, if he were to throw carbon rams, I'm pretty sure that he would see a very, very noticeable difference in performance on that bike. That would make so, a great clickbait video. Yeah, right. Yeah. Put some envies on a GT that costs yes. $100. Right. Oh, yes. Make that happen. <laughs> the budget bike becomes budget no more. Oh my <laughs> gosh. The wheels would cost probably twice as much as the bike. It depends, man. There's some, there's some, some budget friendly freaking carbon, carbon hoops out there now. Like you don't actually have to go like all out. I, I, I'm, I don't have any experience with this particular brand. However, another YouTuber, um, that that's been on, on the show, the Lone Ranger, he rode those light speed rims for a long time. I think it's light speed. Please correct me if light, I'm wrong. Light wheel. Light wheel. They're I like China. Was... They're like China hoops, right? So, okay, China, you got to be oh. careful with that because, like, uh, they're Taiwanese made, um, but, you know, there's, it's it's kind of a dirty word right now. So, but no, they so basically. it's light wheel, that's what it is? Right light wheel. Down. I think it's light <laughs> wheel. Uh, but, yeah, like, they offer it at a very competitive price because uh, a lot of those manufacturers over there have been making this stuff since inception. <laughs> uh, there's very few brands I can think of that manufacture carbon in the U.S. And that, does, that goes to, I think, most... I, I can't speak for all carbon-manufactured products that are in this country, in this, at least the U.S., but, I mean, I think most frames that are carbon-made frames, uh, with the exception, like, maybe Gorilla Gravity or even, like, the... I don't know what... Uh, the, the ibis model was but i mean most of them are asian imported uh frames there's only so many carbon factories in the world there's not very many yeah. and so it's kind of like i mean it's one of those things you want to add to that joe no i yeah i think we're getting off topic that's a that's a video oh. for another day but definitely um kind of steering it back to the topic you know oh, as okay. robert said you know there's some really great brands out there that aren't envy uh, for the sake of a clickbait video, I'd go Envy because, you know, they're like, what, four grand for a mid-range set of Envies? Yeah. Uh, but no, I definitely think that you have to kind of look at what's the actual weakest link on your bike. Yeah. 
but you're definitely going to enjoy the the lightness. It's going to spin up quick. It's going to be more nimble. Uh, you're going to be able to control your steering better because of the stiffness. Uh, so it's definitely worth it. It's just tricky to weigh how much you should spend on one upgrade when there might be better investments elsewhere. All right. So here's here. I'm going to weigh in on this. First of all, somebody mentioned we are one composites. They're a new company out of Canada. And I, I want to mention them because um, they have a lifetime warranty. And my understanding is it's not like a, a like it, it's a no questions asked lifetime warranty. So even if it's a crash replacement, they'll still replace it for free. So I just mentioned them. I, I don't have any stake in the game with them. I haven't tried their stuff yet. That's just what I've heard. So and, and Santa Cruz is in the same boat, too. Yeah, but I think Santa Cruz is not like no questions asked. Like there's oh, they no, are like, no questions asked. I yeah. heard that like their their print is actually there's questions asked. So that tells you that there's some circumstances where they might be like, no, forget it. Hmm. So let me get back to the main question though. I want to I want to weigh in on that. The uh, the wheels versus is suspension, and I will say as a bigger guy and as a as a a Clydesdale. So basically, <laughs> anybody that doesn't know anybody that's over two hundred pounds is considered a Clydesdale. So I am a Clydesdale even when I'm at my skinniest. So no matter what, I'm always a big guy. So um, I'm just like a, an extra large Clydesdale right now. So for me, the difference between good suspension and good wheels, I would have to say. And this is tough to say like like as a knee jerk, but I think I'd have to say without a doubt wheels because A, as a big guy, if you're on shitty wheels, you'll feel them flex over stuff. Like you'll, you'll feel that like loss in performance. You won't, like if you went out and bought a brand new set of carbon wheels and you had shitty wheels before, you might not get it right away. But after you rode those carbon wheels for a while, then when you went back and tried some some aluminum wheels that weren't like, really well-built high-end aluminum wheels because there are some that are just as good as carbon. So I'm not saying that 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 carbon trumps aluminum. But for the most part, like the wheels that you get on like a stock bike aren't aren't the greatest, right? So um, I think that that what you're going to feel in your turns and, and how light that wheel is, how like well it will spin up, like the lighter your wheel is, the better it's going to spin up that engagement to me is like i'm playing that hub into this situation as well and maybe that's not fair that it's, a, it's i'm talking about a hub and a, and the wheel through the hoop but i feel like that engagement is fucking like crucial to how good a ride can be compared to like i've had some bikes with some shitty suspension like my freaking my fork that's on my my chameleon right now it's not a great fork i don't feel like that's been the thing that's holding me back you know what i mean and then the other thing is when you get like good wheels, typically that, and maybe it's not as, as, as so like apparent, or maybe this isn't the case as much now, but in the past, you won't get that wider internal width out of a, a regular aluminum wheel as you will out of a carbon wheel. And once you make that, you have that wider internal width, it really changes the profile of your tires. And that like changes the game big time too. So oh. I, I think that that to me, what you're going to get out of that compared to, let's just say, like, let's say you're changing your fork and your, your shock, right? Let's just call that two grand. That That's on the high side, but let's mm -hmm. just call that two grand. And you can get a, a set of hoops with freaking good hubs for two grand as well. So like, 
if I was looking at that two grand one way or the other, I, I pretty much hands down would go wheels. Like I don't, I don't think I, I would in any circumstance. Like, and I'm, I'm trying to like take out the bias of like, Hey, my bike came with this suspension or my bike came with that suspension. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to look at it as like my wheels and my suspension both suck. Which one would I spend the money on? And mm-hmm. I think and I, like, assuming that you had your bike for like maybe like X amount of years versus like right. I'm buying a brand new bike right now. Right. Right. Or even if it was a brand new bike, let, let's say, I mean, I bought a brand new chameleon and you know what I mean? So like yeah. it would be like spend a thousand dollars on, on a, a fucking sick ass fork or spend a thousand dollars and maybe a little bit more on, on a good set of wheels. Right. Cause mm-hmm. I think even some of these carbon companies, I've seen some where they're, they're building them for like 1500 bucks, dude, for, for two hoops with good hubs. It's starting to get, it's starting to get pretty darn affordable. And I mean, it's funny that you brought up the whole, like, you know, of course you're going to be putting on good hubs with good rims, because if you're trying to save money on the hubs and getting like the best carbon you can get, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I will tell you guys, anybody out there thinking about fucking cheaping out on your hubs. I tried that once. <laughs> I, yeah. I, 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 um, whenever 27.5 first came out, the bike that I was riding at the time, you could switch between 26 and 27.5 just because the way the frame was right and um and so i was like i'm gonna try i'm gonna build a set of 27.5 wheels and i'm just gonna buy some cheap hubs because i didn't want to spend like like i could get two like stands arch hoops which are really good hoops for like 100 bucks a piece right but then it was like to get good hubs it was going to be like five six hundred bucks for the set so it was like well i could buy these two hoops buy some fucking i think i bought like circus monkey or some shit that's like crazy cheap back you know like on amazon but they came in anodized colors so that that was enough i'm all about the color right so like and i bought these cheap ass hubs man and i tell you i i don't even know if i made it five rides on that rear hub before it freaking just blew up on me and then what i didn't think about was now i just already spent let's just call it 150 bucks to have those hubs loose like laced now I got to go spend that money again and I have to buy another fucking hub. So if you're going to yeah. buy good wheels, like even if it's like a pet project like that, just buy good hubs. At least you'd be able to sell those wheels as a good set of wheels than, than trying to do what I, I try to do. It was, it was definitely a lesson learned. And that's me. a great point that I wish I made a little bit earlier uh, when I was talking about at least hub upgrades. Um, if your hub goes out, it's over. You're walking. Yeah, or you're yeah. you're or you're standing on the top tube because I've yeah. seen that plenty of times in Moab with uh, some some something in the the hub going haywire and you're walking out. If your dropper post goes bad, you probably still ride out, or at least I mean you're riding dropper up. You might have to walk some stuff or get all retro, get all '90s on the bike. And if or if you have a reverb and it freezes up, down, then yeah. you're you're just sucking on the climbs. <laughs> but that's the thing is like, I mean, I always forget whenever I kind of talk about these things is like what component is going to keep you away from walking your bike, especially if you're like, I don't know, 15, 20 miles away from your car. At that point, it becomes almost and nearly a survival situation. Oh, yeah, totally. Or just like how much fun can you still be able to have? You know what I mean? That's true. Yeah. I mean, and there's of course the performance aspect, but I mean, and there's some really, I mean, there's some stories out there and it's not just necessarily you can throw all the money that you want at a hub. It can still break. 
I oh, mean, yeah, that, dude, that doesn't mean, yeah, that doesn't mean all your problems are cured and it's over, but. Yeah, I mean, it's like people fucking bitching about carbon being like, oh, it breaks more than than aluminum on the trail or whatever, like for frames. It's like, dude, seriously, they both break, man. Like, it doesn't matter how good of an aluminum frame you have yeah. or how good of a fucking carbon frame you have. Go on YouTube. You can watch videos of both of those frames breaking all fucking day. I'm you know what Jordan I mean? has to break, break every frame out there. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan Boostmaster and Phil Metz. If those guys can't break it, no one can. Right. <laughs> so, oh, shit. You had said something just a second ago, RC, that made me want to mention something else. Now I can't remember what the fuck it was. Well, they have to do with walking the bike out. Oh, yeah. That's what it was. I wanted to digress a little bit. Okay. So what was what was the uh what what's the uh the mechanical that you've had that sticks out like how to like how you oh. didn't walk out or like how you how you freaking made it through with a, a broken part. I will say I have an honorable mention. I watched the guy up in Tahoe once we ran into him on the trail. He was carrying his bike cause it broke like right around the, on the seat post. And we ended up slamming his seat down and then using straps from his camelback to <laughs> cinch the frame together enough that he could at least pedal on the flats and shit like that and got out. That was sick as hell. So that's the honorable mention for me personally. The one thing that I had break that was like the shittiest thing, but it still was like made for a good story of getting out was I snapped my fucking bottom bracket. So it was like, I never really understood how shitty it is to ride a bike when you can't freaking have your pedals up in the air <laughs> when both of your feet are down in the lowest position. So that's your option is like, if you're not, if you're putting your weight on your bike, both of your feet are like three inches off the ground. And then if you're not doing that, then you're sitting on the bike and you're holding your feet up. And in my case, only one side was like broken. Like the drive side would still at least freaking pedal my bike. So I had to ride out with just my right leg being the only power leg. The other leg was worthless. How did you break the bottom bracket? That's like it just snapped, dude. Right. Hey, fucking raw power, man. What are you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, just snapped, oh, dude. Wow. Just snapped in the like that that uh that freaking that that solid piece of metal that goes through basically just cracked. I mean, I mean, power is the joke, but I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, torque is probably. I mean, that's what did it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's nuts. Hell I've never seen man. that. I've never <laughs> seen break in the bottom bracket. Yeah, no, that was it. That was it for me. How about you guys? What do you got? I've had quite a few mechanicals over the years. I think, <laughs> I think hey, you can't yeah, be a mountain like bike not, or not. Yeah, like, I know. Like, not you like know, that. if your bike isn't braking, you're not riding. <laughs> but let, let me clarify that. So, uh, the one that came to mind recently is something that uh, inspired me to get this, which is a torque wrench. And this is like $40 on Amazon. And I had put off buying a torque wrench for the longest time. Um, until I was going through a rock garden and one of my bolts on my stems apparently backed out just enough where finally like it just folded, like the whole bar just rolled over forwards. And yeah, I crashed hard. And not only that, I didn't have a multi-tool with me because of course, if I was too cheap to buy a torque wrench, I was too cheap <laughs> to have a multi-tool with me. And so I had to walk my happy butt up out of this um out of the green belt and get onto the road 
because that was the only way I could actually ride my bike. And I literally just hand tightened the bolts back in place. They were that loose. They were falling out. <laughs> and I just rode the bike and I'd have to kind of pull up on the handlebars to keep them straight. So that way I could steer. Otherwise, as soon as I put weight on, they would just roll back forward again. And then I went online and I bought a multi-tool and a torque wrench. <laughs> and guess what? I never had either problem ever again. Dude, torque wrench, when it, the, what made me buy a torque wrench? Because I was always like, ah, just uh, make it tighter, not tighter. Yeah. And like, oh, th this one needs to be grilla tight. You know, like that's how, kind of how yeah. I always did everything. But um, once I bought a carbon bike, I was like, this thing costs way too much for me to fucking like be questioning that. You know? Dude, even like, so, you know, that's a that's a very valid reason especially like a lot of people have a very strong opinion on carbon bars and there are definitely freak accidents but most of the issues i've seen is people over tightening them on the clamps mm -hmm. or the stem or whatever like they just break right there where the where it's getting clamped down too hard it's the same it has... thing with aluminum though the, the same yeah, thing the same yeah. pressures that happen yeah so exactly like you know um, a decent torque, a good torque wrench will run you about a hundred dollars, a decent one that, you know, is plus or minus 4% on, you know, accuracy. That's like 40 bucks. And over the life of working on your bike, you're working on a $60 stem, a hundred dollar derailleur, this and that, that saves you from breaking those things or over tightening and stripping out a bolt. That $40 reinvests itself like over and over and over as you work on the bike. Dude, let me tell you, let me tell you about a better investment for that $40, dude. Beer. Is, 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 no, yeah, outside <laughs> of the beer. No, like instead of like that $60 stem that you screwed up or whatever, it's that freaking six months of not riding because you freaking snapped your handlebars and, and you, you broke your clavicle or you freaking did a like a level three ac separation in your shoulder like seriously man that's that that's those things are important for those reasons like like it's the injuries that you can sustain from not having that right yeah and that's totally like it is a safety hazard like let's imagine i wasn't just going through a rock garden where it was slow speed and i fell and it hurt and i cussed a lot let's imagine i was bombing down the hill of life doing mock chicken over a three foot ledge into uh, a pile of baby heads. Wow. That sounds weird, but you get what I'm saying. Um, you know, going down this really gnarly trail, if my bars folded on me at that point, I probably wouldn't have gotten up. Yeah. I honestly, uh, honestly, I, I always rode within my means and, you know, sometimes I would, I would get a little rowdy, but I was, way rowdier like five years ago than i am now and and it all comes down to i had a fork failure and and i never ever thought about myself getting hurt on a bike because of my components failing like i always thought like if i got hurt it would be like oh you were fucking pushing it you were doing something you shouldn't have been doing you're you were outclassing your rides or your ride abilities or something like that and when that happened that's whenever i was like oh shit um apparently this fucking there's some other things i need to start putting into this calculation and because yeah. of that man it's definitely made me a tamer rider i mean when that's what happened to me my fork failed basically my headset dropped down i was riding a lefty so my headset dropped down to my tire and just fucking threw me superman over the handlebars and and apparently 250 pounds of fucking shit doesn't hit the ground gracefully mm. and uh, <laughs> 
No. I mean, it happened so fast. Like my hands were still out in front of me. It wasn't even like I had time to, to tuck and roll. Like my hands were, were still closed from being around the handlebars. You know, like it was just like, I went out. That's, that's what it is. That was that, you know? So Robert, do you mind if I like almost completely derail the conversation for a second? Yeah. But I think yeah, it is. Go for it, I man. think it's it is like topical. Bar, man. Okay. So uh, we quickly touched on how a lot of things are made over in Taiwan. Um, uh-huh. and you know, for the most part, a lot of those people like work in these factories and they become extremely skilled at these things because they do it day in and day out. Um, here is the problem, you know, Taiwanese made is not the same as Chinese made. Uh, and in China, there's kind of an issue with what's called third shift manufacturing. The very quick explanation is let's say a well-known brand. Uh, requests that a factory make a certain allotment of stems. So they give them the molds, they give them the material, they give them design, they make them. And what usually happens is a representative from that company comes out and oversees the production, make sure that everything's getting checked, make sure that no defects are happening uh, and that they're getting quality product. Here's what happens with third shift manufacturing. That representative leaves and you know goes back to wherever. And then that that factory now has the molds, most of the materials, and the training to make that. So they will fire up that uh, factory again and just hammer out as many of the products as they can as quickly as possible. No QC, no checking, just you know, stamp them out as fast as possible. Obviously, these are not done with permission from the the the, the brand. And then a lot of those parts end up on really sketchy websites and i was i've been really kind of noticing a bad trend where like someone will say on a message board like oh buy it from this website it's basically the same thing and technically it is it came from the same factory it came from the same mold it may have the same materials though they may just use whatever cheapest stuff they have laying around the shop but it definitely didn't go through the same QC. And that really freaks me out because to a young writer or, you know, someone that's really on a tight budget, they may look at that, get really enticed by that. And now they are riding on a ticking time bomb. I bought a set of, of $30 carbon handlebars once just cause I was like, I want to try handlebars. And I, like I said earlier, I'm a cheap ass. And I will tell you, there was not a second of any ride that I had with those bars that I was not worried about them breaking, you know? And, and like that alone was worth spending $90 for handlebars and being freaking like happy about knowing that I wasn't going to fucking die. I think the other end of what I wanted to say, which goes along with what you, you just said, Joe, is that now that I've had this channel and I've talked to a bunch of different companies and I've had a, you know, a plethora of conversations that's probably more than the average Joe. I've learned that the biggest difference is what you just said a minute ago is, is a QC and B the materials, like even the layup of how like they can change the way that that carbon's laid up and make it 10 times cheaper and it'll still look the same. And as far as your concern, as the guy that's buying a piece of, of, of equipment, it looks like it's the same. It says carbon. It feels like carbon. It, like tastes like carbon you know what i mean must be carbon but it's not like that's the difference that's where that's why a wheel set like envy's costs so much more or like the santa cruz reserves cost so much more than some other like hoops that you might be able to see that have no name on them that are on amazon 
It's because the layup of what they're doing, the glues that they're using, like the actual carbon fibers that they're using, that's all ways that you can cut cost, you know, and, and it may not only be like the diameter. So where you get the handlebars and you look at them, and you're like, oh, these are just as, these are actually thicker than the other ones. They could be thicker than the other ones and still not be as good because of the fucking shitty ass like like stuff that they use to put it together. Like, think about it this way. Like if you glued a freaking like a quarter to uh, a two by four with Elmer's glue, you could probably pick it off with your fingers. And if you glued it on there with fucking JB Weld, you're never going to get that thing off of there. And exactly. like, that's the difference of the way that it is with, with the glues that they, the resin that I guess is what they, they use in the, in the, the industry like that, yeah. that stuff, dude, definitely hands down what Joe said is 100% right. And I will tell you, without a doubt, unequivocally, like, spend the money. If you're buying something like that, like, you're not getting a better deal. That's the reason that it's cheaper. You're not getting a better deal. Yeah. RC, you got anything to add? Uh, I mean, as far as like, I mean, you always kind of run into that, that balance and you have to figure out, like, where is your money being spent and is it worth the peace of mind? Is it worth um, X? Is it worth Y? Um, a lot of it, I think, comes down to operator error, but not necessarily with like cheap $35 carbon bars. <laughs> I don't think I would <laughs> want to run $35 carbon bars. It just doesn't seem like it would be really rational for me. Um, but the other thing is like we were kind of, you were talking about earlier with the torque wrench, Joe. There's When it comes to like a lot of mistakes that are made, there's kind of like, there's like two types of torque. There's kind of like the, the torque that you have, maybe like ungreased torque and then greased torque. And I know like on my uh, my uh, rental fat bars, the instructions tell me to put grease on uh, the bolts when I go to torque them. So you're going to get a little more, I think with the lubricant on there, you're going to get a um, some, some more tightness out of it. But I mean, at the end of the day, Wait a is minute. With called? lubricant, there's more yeah. tightness. Oh, I'm gonna fucking throw a joke into that one. Okay, okay. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is your show. So <laughs> if somebody throws you a bone, Rob, you you're like the bulldog. You gotta go in there. <laughs> that, that joke could have went really bad. So if somebody throws me a bone, I'm gonna go for it. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to do it. <laughs> I, lo I love it. I mean, now I don't even really care what my point is anymore. But the point, the point is, like, I mean, and, and being kind of like the, the guy that, that goes out there and says, well, I always, do it, do as I say, but not as I do. It's really important to always check uh, the specs whenever you have a part because in the long run, it's, it could save you money. And then in the short, and then like, I mean, in the short term, it can keep you from getting hurt. And a lot of injuries out there in mountain biking, in my opinion, or either from like, op there's some like really dumb injuries. It's just like, you know that you're riding poorly and you're just riding, you're letting the carriage get in front of the horse. Like those can be avoided by riding within your means. Whereas like other injuries happen from, I mean, like again, component failure work. The manufacturing and also just like random acts of nature where a tree might fall down the forest and you're hauling, hauling down the hill and you accidentally find it like at the wrong time, you know? Right. So, I mean, it's just kind of one of those things is like really important to stay safe on the trail and do your due diligence when it comes to installing components. Yep. So, so uh, go ahead. I was going to say um, one quick caveat I want to do is uh, obviously not all factories do third shift manufacturing. Um, 
they they usually charge more but they're like more stand up they won't like start producing cheap knockoffs um so that's kind of what i want to talk about it's like yes there are cheap knockoffs but they usually come from crappy factories anyways so more and more like brands have gotten burned by those factories and then they go over to a different uh factory that charges a little bit more but then they don't have to worry about them their stuff getting stamped out so i i totally totally agree with what you're saying there i'm also going to throw into uh let's go ahead and switch gears i got another this or that oh i still had to answer my your your question about mechanicals i mean oh I, yeah I, oh yeah i'm sorry go <laughs> for it brother okay yeah, we, we fucked that all up didn't we no i just wanted to like i just i just had to throw you back on track on your yeah, own yeah program. No, let's do it let's do it <laughs> all right so kind of like i'm gonna make it really quick uh zip ties can uh definitely save you on the trail and i don't know how many times like with some rear derailers on bikes out there that i've owned in the past they'll break and like i've i've rigged my uh I've rigged my rear derailleur up with zip ties and electrical tape and all that stuff can just totally bail you out and at least kind of keep you from having to walk your bike out. And then uh, I've also went through this weird phase last summer where I broke like three or four dropper post levers. And uh, I'm definitely, I uh, definitely found my value on uh, dropper post levers after spending a lot of money on them and breaking them. And I've settled on uh, the PNW loan lever, which I give an A plus in durability and uh, functionality, and nice. the price is great. So, so you're you're you didn't tell your story of, of walking out. I want to hear your walking out story or whatever your shitty thing was. That. Oh, it's just like rear. I mean, I, I, most of the rides that I do are really. No, I don't want most of the rides. I want to hear the ride. The ride. I mean, yeah. it was. It was just, I was uh, doing a fitness lap as I like to call it on a horse thief bench trail. And that's, that's one that I, I ride like well, at least once or twice a week. And uh, it was really, it was kind of bad because I mean, we get this time of the year where the gnats come out and they are really, really friendly and <laughs> really, really hungry. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I was riding, I had my Cannondale at the time and at the time, Cannondale made the worst ever rear derailleur hangers. Total trash. You couldn't even buy like a rear derailleur hanger on the market that like was sturdier than the one that you can get from Cannondale. I mean, it was just like I was breaking like three of those like a season or whatever just because they just they didn't last. All the chain slap and uh and whatnot. So anyway, I was riding and like I got to the furthest point along the trail that I could get to. And um and then finally it broke off and I'm just like, no. And so my case was I went in there and I got a bunch of zip ties and electrical tape and I rigged it to, into a, a way that uh, I could at least ride one gear on the way out, kind of, sort of. But I was getting eaten alive by gnats. I was going crazy. I mean, they're flying in my ears, flying up my nose, oh, flying my face. I just, oh, there's nothing worse than those. Uh, those little bitey bugs, no seams, you know. I, I've I've snapped a, de a rear derailleur on a ride before, and and my savings grace was carrying. I always carry like, like probably two extra, um, um, of the little quick links. So yep. like anytime I ever change a, a chain, I take the quick link out and stick it in my bag so that I have more than one. And I, I had a point where it was like. The way that the derailleur snapped, it like screwed the chain up in like two different spots. So I ended up having like three quick links in it, but was able to like take the derailleur off and 
find that one gear that kind of would i could make it a single speed and at least ride out you know yep so yep those things are definitely definitely crux to have as well as as the zip ties i probably have a few zip tie stories too those things like honestly like they weigh next to nothing i have a couple of different sizes i carry in 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 my bag and it's like dude they always always come in handy you can't go wrong just little things like can be the difference between walking your bike and not walking your bike. And if you yeah. get to the point where you're going to be able to ride a single speed out when you, if you shorten your chain up, that helps. Just don't do that long term. So here, here was my next this or that. <clears throat> and I think we, I think we had this conversation the other night too. So would you spend the money on like better, like shifting drivetrain or? brakes oh hands down brakes yeah so so more than hands down brakes let's hear your reason why joe okay so here's the thing um basically when you get to like slx for shimano or nx for shram anything after that is just refining how quickly it shifts and then the crispness of the shifter that's another big thing and that's why you see a lot of people mix and match like for shimano you'll get a slx cassette a xt derail or rear derailleur and then like an xtr shifter because then like you get the cheapest derailleur or you get the cheapest cassette because basically the only difference between slx and xt because it comes out of the same mold it has the same Okay, let me correct. Let me let me correct myself. For the most part, it's the same cassette. There are some refinements that they do in shifting, but it's mostly about lightness. Like yeah, it's it's mostly weight. Yeah, like XTR, like somebody told me a long time ago, they were like XT or XTR. XT's it, it's a weight thing. That's all it is. Yeah, XTR is made out of titanium, which means it wears down in a hot minute. You know, like one season out of your cassette if you're lucky. That's if you baby it. Like erasers burn through those like every few months, but they're sponsored. Anyways, right. I digress. So the point is, is that shifting is more about refining it, but it, it it works. It just works. That's you don't have to think about it. Brakes, on the other hand, that's your safety net. Yeah, <laughs> that's gonna keep that's you from sailing off the edge of a cliff. It's literally life and death when it comes to brakes. So I mean, I mean, if you're riding next to something, uh. And let's just say you're going 35, 40 mile an hour and your brakes don't work all of a sudden. You're making some business decisions, as I like to say, when you're as you're you're going down whatever uh you're riding. And uh it's kind of like, well, should I should I fall and just destroy my rib cage or should I just keep on riding as a uh, or should I crash you, this rock or whatever? Even, I mean, it's just kind of like even 15 miles an hour. I want to say yeah. whenever I destroyed my shoulder that day. I wasn't, I wasn't going, if I was going 15 miles an hour, I would be surprised. Like, cause we had just started to descent. I was like, maybe like three cranks into it when it happened. And so I know I wasn't going that fast. So like, like you don't even have to be going 40 miles an hour to really, really fuck yep. yourself up. You know, that's true. The other thing to me though, with brakes is like, this is the deal, man. Whenever I got back into riding, um, in 2006, so I had taken like a little bit of hiatus from mountain biking. And when I got back into it, like one of the reasons that I chose the bike that I ended up buying was because it had hydraulic brakes and just in the parking lot, like I could tell the difference between the, those and, and even like the mechanical ones that were on the other bike that I was testing. 
And so I had ridden these like hydraulic, you know, brakes for a while. And they weren't even good ones. They were probably like fucking LX. Maybe they were even less than that. I don't even remember. And um, but they were they were they were good, they were hydraulic. You, you yep. know what I mean? Like they're, they're hands down, they're better than like a fucking V brake or like you know what I mean at the end of the yep. day, right? So at that time, that's kind of like was still on the market. Like if you didn't get a good enough bike, it didn't have that on it. Like pretty much everything's hydraulic now. Even the cheap, cheap bikes have cheap hydraulics. And then even adding on to Joseph's point. No, oh, hang on, hang on. Hang, let me oh, okay, I'm so, okay, story. Keep, keep that, keep that story going. So where's that where's that mute button? I need to push right? it. <laughs> yeah. Shut the fuck up, RC. <laughs> so so, anyways, like I had been riding that for a while, and, and I was trying to tell my one buddy who had a, a bike that still had some some pull brakes on it, like how much difference it made. I was like, look, dude, get on my bike, let's bomb down this hill, and freaking you'll see the difference. So we get on, we freaking start cooking down, and he's fucking floating, and I'm 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 doing the same speed. I'm I've ridden this trail a million times. I know it, you know, so I'm fucking hauling ass and I got to the point where I would pull the brakes to like fade my, my speed a little bit. And when I pulled those, it felt like nothing happened. You know what I mean? And it was like, holy shit. And so like that in like how much of a difference that it can make in your riding is huge. That like how fast you can come into something, how well you can, you can feather your speed or how quick you can stop when you get on top of that rock and you have that oh shit moment like oh i'm not committing like you don't have good brakes guess what dude you're committed you know like and especially as a big guy and like so for me dude there there is with there's no doubt in me buying better brakes no matter what i mean that was that's i'm running saints on the bronson i have the the four piston xts on on the chameleon um to me, it's 203 rotors, like front and back. I'm a big dude. I need to fucking stop. Like that's that's a key component to riding bikes is deciding when you want to stop, you know? Bueller. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, not even about speed, but definitely what you were talking about, Robert. Like um, you watch Nate Hills, Jeff Lenowski, all the trials guys, and they're riding on a knife's edge uh, off the edge of a cliff. They're going five miles an hour, but their brakes better do something when they pull that lever. Because if it doesn't, as it's life as, and death. Yeah, as RC said, you got to make some quick business decisions. Right. And that is, is. By the way, that is my slogan: business decisions. If you yeah. see anybody video, that is mine. <laughs> <laughs> Trademark know, like, that motherfucker. Even, <laughs> even when you're uh, riding uh, Highline RC. Yep. Like the, the brakes that came Absolutely. on this GT are like the, like basic Tektro, Tektro. How do you pronounce it? Is it Tektro? I actually don't know. I've actually, Tektro. that's the first time I've heard of them. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like same thing. And I'm looking at these brakes. Like when I first got, I'm like, all right, GT, you better know what you're doing. And like, I haven't had them fail on me, but I will kind of give a spoiler after everything that I've done. I've really been sitting back looking at the bike. Like, what do I want to replace? And I'm like, yeah, I trust those brakes because, like, as an entry level rider, because this bike is $1,900 and I bought it with the mindset of I just got done riding. Like, I'm putting myself in the mindset of a rider that's just getting into the sport. I've just spent a bunch of money, uh, $400 on a hardtail that I rode for about a year, two years, and I'm really starting to get serious, but I'm on a tight budget. 
So I get the $1,900 GT and it just represents that category of bikes, you know, very, very cost efficient, full suspension bikes. If you're that person, you're probably not going to take it to a downhill park. You're probably not going to ride a double black diamond. You're going to be on greens, blues, maybe some blue blacks, but like pretty low exposure, low risk trails. I, I ride at the ability where like, you know, I'm starting to hit double black diamonds. I, I need to make sure I have some good safety nets. Yeah. The the thing I always say to people <clears throat> is that uh, if you want to know whether or not you have shitty brakes, buy better ones. Because the first, <laughs> the first time that you get better ones, you'll you'll squeeze them and you'll almost go over your handlebars. You'll be like, "Holy shit! I didn't realize how crappy I was braking until that." The first time that I got, when I upgraded those those crappy hydraulic brakes that I was talking about back in the day, when I I got XT brakes that were that had freaking Ice Tech rotors, and I went out on my first ride. I bet you I almost went on the handlebars like five times on that ride. Just because I was like so not used to how freaking good they were. And then what happens is you just get accustomed to that, you know? And then over time, you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, my brakes are all right. And then it was like, I thought XTs were freaking, I mean, Jesus Christ, these things are awesome. And and then I got freaking Saints and I was like, yep, back to the same thing again. You know, it's like, no, dude, spend all the, like, I, I haven't tried Hopes. I've heard a lot of guys talk good about Hopes. I had TRP on a while ago. They have some good, like spend some, like if you're going to spend some money on brakes, like, like usually it, the upgrade price between like mediocre to like good is maybe another hundred bucks. If We're not talking about like carbon frame versus aluminum frame where it's like an extra grand. Mm -hmm. So like if it's only a hundred dollars more to have a really good set of brakes compared to the ones that you're going to put on, spend the fucking money. Like your bang for your buck's going to come there. And I have a huge point. Now, um, whenever you get into brakes, just because you have high performance uh, brake, hydraulic brakes, doesn't mean that it's all over from there. You have, you have to get a basic understanding for how to do maintenance on them. Because if you yes. get behind on your maintenance, if you contaminate your brake pads, if you glaze over, or if uh, with wear, you uh, just don't have enough fluid, I mean, again, we're talking about the same that you end up with literally the same problem that you have with uh, lower end brakes that we all that we all fear. You have to stay on top of your brake maintenance. Yes. Um, when I when I went to go sell the Yeti, I realized I hadn't bled the brakes since I had installed them, which was like over a year. And uh, I did a lot of heavy riding on it. And so I decided to flush the whole system, you know, put fresh oil not just a quick bleed but like fresh mineral oil in mm -hmm. it holy crap it made such a difference like yeah like that grabby feel was back like i got on the bike to go make sure everything was working right and i just grabbed a handful of brake and boom just locked up the bike you know that's one of those things that i always forget about i swear that's 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 like the 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 part the maintenance that i i do the least and it probably means the most is like i I always forget about like completely bleeding the brakes. For me, it's like I'll start to feel my brakes being being shitty and I'll usually lean towards A, my pads are toast and I just didn't notice it. Or B, it's like what, what RC said, they're contaminated. I think right now my brake pads on the chameleon are fucking just contaminated and 
they're, like they're breaking for shit, right? And then, then don't, the other don't worry, Robert. I have a video coming out to uh, fix that problem of yours here pretty soon. Oh, sweet. <laughs> if you can fly to California and do it for me, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Just mail, mail them to me. <laughs> I will, dude. I'm I'm la I'm that lazy. So like, but but then the other end is yeah, re like having them like a full flush. And when when I think Joseph, please correct me if I'm wrong. When you said like a quick quick bleed is usually what you do is like you, you kind of like open up the the screw on your 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 lever and you just add fluid into it till it's actually like full again is that what you're saying yeah so like uh that's the quick bleed that's a quick bleed because yeah, okay. like you're you're topping the, off the, the fluid but you're also like letting out um air out of the mm -hmm. system that can build up over time yeah yeah okay. and yeah you literally just like shimano's were some of my favorite breaks not only because uh i grew up with with shimano so i was used to the very grabby feel like you know alex chamberlain and i always kind of joke about like what do you mean there's no modulation she just don't pull it <laughs> yeah like <laughs> alex chamberlain and i also have a, a break joke between sram and shimano and, and yeah. modulation means shitty breaks yeah. <laughs> I think someone in the chat was pointing that out. Uh, I think it was like Tony who was saying. Um, anyways, so like Shimano's are super, super, super easy to bleed. Like if you just want a a good, they're good. They're good breaks, but also very simple to maintain. Shimano's have always been my go-to because you, you, you open up in a little Allen key, uh, the nut, then you screw on this little plastic cup and the blade, the breed, uh, can't talk the kits to bleed your brakes for shimano's are stupid cheap and almost any bike shop carries it screw on the little cup pour in just enough fluid to like let uh let it pool up at the bottom and then just sit there and pump your brakes and tap the lines and you'll see little bubbles come up and maybe even like a little bit of water or dirt if you start seeing water then like game over you need to flush the whole system but if just air is coming out then you're perfectly fine to i can tell you it. like for those of you guys that are even, even cheaper than joe um I eat me. I don't even freaking use the little cup. I just like level the brake so that it, it's like horizontal and flat. Take that little screw out and you can pump that, that lever. If you do it slowly, it'll push the air bubbles out and then just keep putting more fluid in just like that. And you can top them off just like that, you know? And when you do that, I will say, hey, this may be one of those bang for your buck things. Get a fucking bike stand. Like I'll put my my bike so that the brakes are low. At like 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 say the rear wheel is almost on the ground and the handlebars is like straight above them, and then level it out so that way those air bubbles are are going up. You know, because if you have your bike completely flat, you're not going to push those air bubbles out, and then just in if you have the money for the cup that costs five dollars <laughs> hey, that's, that's a that's a that's a six pack of pbr right so but yeah. if you don't have the money for that and you're just like some bullshit lowly freaking youtuber that doesn't want to spend any fucking money then do what i was saying you can you can just just make sure like you can't just grab a handful of brakes and like slam on it like you're going on a downhill run because you're just going to push everything out but if you just kind of like feather them a little bit you'll see it like kind of like you'll see the that little bit like up and down up and down and you'll yeah you'll see it enough that you can top them off steve why pointed out something oh, i was gonna oh, say steve why yeah <laughs> steve why pointed out something uh you know the another big reason i really like shimano though other 
brands use this like Magura. Magura was brought up in the chat. I'm actually going to be trying them out soon on a different bike. So look forward to that. Hopefully uh, we'll see. I've never used them before. I've heard good things about them. Mineral oil. I hate working with uh, brake systems that use uh, brake fluid, like dot fluid, because like it, the cleanup is nasty. It can be really corrosive on paint. Um, it's toxic. So like, if I so, work on, let, let me cut you off real quick, just to make this simple for the people that, that aren't like, you know, new or that are newer to the mountain bike community. What he's talking about is SRAM, like SRAM uses dot fluid. If you and hope. get, yeah. And hope and hope uses. Okay. Sprint. I didn't know that. So like, if you, if you get that shit all over the paint on your bike, it'll fuck it up. Yeah. So like mineral oil is what Shimano uses. I don't know what, I, I, does TRP use mineral? I think they do too. Mineral oil. Yep. Yeah, TRP, uh, Shimano, and Magura use um, mineral oil. And if you're Seth Bike Hacks, you use what did baby you, oil? Baby oil. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a test going. If you guys don't watch his channel, um, you obviously haven't been on YouTube ever. And <laughs> 1.2 million subscribers right. so far. So like he he's running a test right now where he filled one of one of his brake systems up with baby oil completely and is riding it for a year to see what happens. Yeah. Uh, more power to him. I wouldn't do it. But yeah. Anyways, the point that I was getting at is like it's super easy because I live in an apartment. I don't have a garage anymore. So like if I spill that stuff, the worst that I have to worry about with mineral oil is that it's dyed red to let you know it's not, you know, health or food grade. Uh, and so it might stain the carpet. But like if, uh, if I spill it on the ground and my dog decides to lick it for some re reason because he's a dog and Rocco's kind of dumb. I'm not going to be like, oh my gosh, he's going to die. I'm going to be like, oh, that better not give you diarrhea. Right. <laughs> I mean, to, to me, like like the big thing, like the corrosive thing is what you said. I mean, it's like really easy to get that shit all over the place. And you don't want to, you don't want to screw up your, your bike or like no the finish on your fork. Maybe, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's, that, that that's, that, you don't want to fuck up like that, you know? Yeah. So. And also to clear the air, it's just like, I mean. I know a lot of people will talk about like Shimano brakes and uh, how you have to, you get the top lead on them and it has air in it. Uh, what I discovered and what I found out over time was that was a case of my brake pads. Uh, basically, I mean, the wear on the brake pads is making them uh, smaller. And uh, long story short is more fluid is getting pushed down into the line towards the caliper. And so you have to top bleed. But if you go to reset the caliper, uh, you're going to have to let some fluid out to reset it because all of a sudden now you kind of have a log jam in there of, uh, of brake fluid that you have to go back and reset. So it's not that it's letting air in. It's just that the pads are wearing for the type of performance that Shimano delivers. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, if you're going to, if you're going to top them off, put the new pads in first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Huge. And at that point, it's kind of like what Joe was saying when he was talking earlier about his Yeti was that, uh, that he was, I mean, he did a whole, he did a big flush on it and that involves like bleed blocks and, and uh, pushing all the fluid out. And that's just a great way to reset your uh, your brakes and make sure that they last the long-term. Yeah, Somebody on, on the chat said that they're still using rim brakes. Dude, if your freaking frame, <laughs> if your frame has the mounts for it, like seriously, you could buy the cheapest. Like I, I bought a set of like, I want to say it was like $80 for the whole set of like low-end freaking hydraulic brakes for for a bike for my son once where like, I just needed to put something on quick. They will be 
a billion times better than your freaking your rim brakes, dude. I'm telling you, seriously, spend the eighty dollars and you'll be stoked. <laughs> yes, agreed. Yeah, they're just and then also like, oh man, I, I can't even get into all the things why I hate rim brakes, but <laughs> now, now Robert, you kind of started on this point uh probably accidentally a minute ago, but uh as far as like going as far as bang for your buck, I just kind of got this idea off the top of my head. In my opinion, the best bang for your buck is to get all the tools or most of the tools that you need to do uh normal and basic bike mechanic work. I How think, much money is that going to save you right there? Yeah, I think Joe hit on it too. I mean, when he was yeah, talking Joe hit about it, on it too. Yeah, you know, absolutely. like like to me, like that that goes back to those things that I tell people that they need whenever they start riding. Whenever I'm like, hey, you need a camelback. I mean, maybe you don't need a camelback. Then if you don't need a camelback, get like a little pouch that you can put some shit in. You need a fucking tube and you need a multi-tool and you need a pump. If you don't have a pump, get some CO2 and look like, like that, that kind of action going on because those things are like must have, even if you are a, a, um, excuse me, like a tubeless rider. Like I still carry a tube no matter what, carry a 27.5. It'll work on your buddies that have 26 inch wheels. It'll work on your buddies that have 29 inch wheels. It'll work on your 27.5. Just when I was in Sedona, I, um, broke a spoke and whenever I broke that spoke, in it it pushed through my rim tape and that your your sealant doesn't stop that leak so i had a tube so i took yep. my freaking my tire off i threw a tube in and i rode the rest of sedona without i mean you can you can be missing a spoke or two and your wheel's not not going to be fucking like shit so like it will definitely get you off the trail and and in my case it got me through another day of like hard riding like i rode fucking slim shady and like a bunch of other shit dude it was like it wasn't like i was riding some bullshit you know and so the only thing is if if you're if you're a tubeless guy and you throw a tube in like add like 20 psi to what you normally put in yeah because <laughs> otherwise man you're you're gonna be screwed. you're gonna be doing it again yeah yeah exactly <laughs> i i've been on those rides where like Someone got a flat, put a tube in, everything's good. And then like 15 minutes later, they got a flat again. And they're like, oh, I I was running like 25 PSI. Like, no, <laughs> you got to run like 40, man. Those are the guys that have been to, to and, and go ahead. Oh, it's kind of like I, I had a, a kind of a short story. It was when I was writing the whole enchilada. Uh, this is like at the very beginning of my channel. Uh, these two women from uh, Tahoe. Uh, they were out there and they were just blowing through tubes at the lower bottom of a uh, porcupine rim like crazy. And so I, I was subsidizing with a couple tubes here and there. And it was like at the very minimum, if you're carrying a tube, at least you could go and help somebody out. But be sure that if you're going to help them out, that uh, you oversee the air inflation operation because everybody likes to go and say, oh, it's good. It's like, nope. You need more air in that because this is this is the last resort. This is it. If you run out of air here, it's all over. I'm a firm uh, believer in if you buy a pump, that you have to have a freaking like a air pressure, like a, a something that tells you yeah, how much right. air pressure is in it. So if you're not going to buy a pump that has an air pressure in it, like then buy one, buy a, a separate one that you can actually know because. I can't tell you how many times that I've seen guys on the trail like squeeze a wheel and be like, oh, it's good. And I'm looking at them like, <laughs> dude, you got like 18 pounds of pressure right now. Yep. Basically, what you're saying is it's 95 degrees out and you're tired of pumping. 
Like, like you actually are not where you need to be. You just got lazy. Well, and then the other thing that I like to tell people when they're getting into it is like have at least two sources of inflation because if your pump breaks or something like an O-ring falls out and like slices in half while you're uh, inflating your tire, again, you're back to square one and it's all over again. You're dependent on somebody coming up with a pump or something like that. And that's happened to me multiple times. Uh, my, I'm a big fan of the, the one-up EDC pump because it has a pump and it also has a nozzle for a CO2 inflator. So yeah, if, I have that, if you that. have two sources of inflation, that can really bail you out. Yeah, I have that Crank, Crank Brothers one. That's like, uh, it has a valve in it. You can buy it with or without the valve. And then it also has like the upgraded one has a, a CO2 connector as well. So I do the same thing. I carry CO2 and I carry a pump. Essentially, uh, the main reason that I carry the CO2 is because like, you don't want to be dicking around with trying to pump up a tire. Yep. The CO2 like makes it happen quick. So like, it's like, boom, you, you, you can turn this like 15 minute fiasco into a five minute fiasco. And then once you, if you continue to have to pump down the road, then it's like, okay, well now I at least have the pump to handle that. And that's, it's just key. I mean, error is again, one of those things that's literally the, the difference between you getting out and not getting out. So I like to emphasize the getting out, riding your bike, because that's what you're there to do. You're not there to, to be hiking your bike. So let's do another this or that. Do you guys have any other this or that? I, I was gonna think. Here, here's two that are that are probably pretty good. They're they're similar similar. So would you have a really good seat or a really good helmet? Helmet. Oh, helmet. So what's the reason on the helmet? And I, I, um, I, I mean, it should be obvious. Quite honestly, I mean. Uh, that helmet is gonna keep you alive, keep you riding another day. And I mean, a cheap helmet may protect you, but it also can be uncomfortable as crap. And there's yeah. nothing worse than like riding with an uncomfortable helmet. Cause like your head is one of those areas where like your head and your feet, like if something's bothering you, you're going to like, all you're going to think about is that like, think of the last time you put on an uncomfortable hat. And then how much that bothered you, like if it rubs against the ear or if it like scratches you because like the strap is crappily made, like you're going to be thinking about that all the time, but like mainly just the importance of it. it I think like, too, like the weight of a helmet that's cheap, like it doesn't sound like it would be like that shitty, but over a long, over a several hours, that weight, like it, it actually will like kind of affect your, like it, it, your neck starts to get tired. That's one oh, thing yeah. of it. But the thing to me that I noticed the most between a cheap helmet and a good helmet is the ventilation. Yeah. Like, Oh God, dude, you, 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 the first time you have a really good helmet that, you know, it's like all the air is flowing through. You're like, Oh my God, this feels so much better. And I mean, it just kind of goes on to a larger point where, I mean, I spent a lot of money on my helmet. I have like one of those specialized pro ambush or whatever. It's super light. Uh, it's not MIPS, but I mean, we could get a whole different, that's a discussion for a different time, I guess. But like at the same time, it's just like having something that you can trust that's on your head that's going to protect it. Uh, you also don't want to look like a Jerry on the trail, which is actually what I tried to look like as a Jerry uh, most of the time. Um, but as far as like seats go, it just seems to me like when it comes to seats, like you can make up for the seat with uh, with a chamois. I mean, if you're wearing a chamois, I mean, a lot of seat problems kind of seem to go 
kind of by the wayside, not entirely, but good helmets are just are key. They really so, are. So there's a few things that I will say about seats since we're talking about them. A, if your seat doesn't have that like, like, like canyon down the middle of it, you want to get that because that thing freaking makes it a million times more comfortable. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's yep. like a. I, I, all I know is like the Pro V or whatever yep. they call it. You know, like the WTB. I think they call it the V or something like that. A lot of a lot of seats have them now, like Specialized and all those other ones. And the other thing is, is actually get one that is the right width yes. for your sit bones. Yep. So if you if there's a half decent shop about around where you 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 go, they'll usually have some kind of foam that you can sit on. Like if you go and like take like your bike shorts in or like go go to the bike shop like wearing like gym shorts and you can sit on like jeans it's not going to do it as much so like sit on this thing and then they'll be able to measure it and tell you and you could probably do it on your own if you had some kind of like i don't know some kind of freaking foam kind of thing in your house some cardboard yeah yeah maybe yeah like even that said, not good bike shop will have it and like it'll save you time and hassle of trying to jerry rig your own yeah because what i see a lot of people do is they'll, they'll and seats are expensive man yeah so it's like like if you find like once you know like what your sit bones are like how far apart they are like you'll know oh i need a 150 millimeter or i need a 135 millimeter width and yeah. you'll be like it, it'll save you tons of time and tons of freaking anguish of just being able to go out and like you know like okay i need a seat that has the v and i need a seat that is this wide and more than likely you'll be all right you know yep now uh another note good shops will often have but you have to check good shops will often have a really good exchange policy with saddles like if you go in you get fitted by them which should only take like a few minutes and then you buy a saddle like bicycle sports shop in austin i think they was like at minimum a week but like i think it was up to 30 days as long as you didn't bring it in all tore up like they would essentially like just exchange it and give you store credit so that way you could try a different one because the concept was is like they want you to be able to ride comfortably so if it takes and it takes a few times because contact points are extremely personal so you do have to experiment a little bit and it sucks because a good saddle can cost anywhere from 80 bucks to 150 dollars for some of the more boutique designs um and they understand that so a good shop will let you exchange them until you find the one that works right. And then they just kind of sell the ones you exchange at a slightly lower cost because at the end of the day, that's good PR for them because you're going to remember like, oh, hey, you need to go get fitted for a saddle? Yeah, go to Bicycle Sports Shop because they were totally awesome. You know, word of mouth is the best advertising. If you don't have a good shop like that around, go to REI. They have a great return policy. That yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is a cool quick hack. Uh, if you don't already know about it, go Google the REI garage sale. It's like a uh, like uh, every few months, basically all the shops will just sell off all the returned items. It's as is, but you can find some sick gems there. If you know, so you have to be a member though. It only costs twenty bucks for a twenty bucks to membership. be a member. You, you get money back from anything that you spend at them with them through the year. So it's yeah. definitely it's worth twenty bucks, and it's not twenty bucks a year. It's twenty bucks forever. Yeah, it's twenty so, bucks for life. Yeah, yeah. 
And you'll get a bunch of coupons in the mail throughout the year too, like 20% yeah. off anything you buy and stuff like that. It's it's totally worth it. If you have an REI in your area and you're not a member, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and, and seriously, you have to keep your ear to the ground with the uh, garage sales like once yeah. a month. Like I'll just go into REI just to snoop around and see if they're advertising because they'll do it like nationwide. Like at the, I think it's like three times, like uh, fall, spring, summer. And you can find different things on sale as people return different things. But like different shops will sometimes get so much excess inventory that they'll actually do a one-off on their own. And they yeah, don't advertise yeah. that you have to see it. And those are the best ones because that's like, they got some good stuff. REI actually has that. like, if you're a member too, they have like trips and they have like, uh, like different, um, like they'll, they'll have classes like, like some bike shops, local bike shops will do this too. Like, but like classes like bicycle maintenance or things of that nature too. So, I mean, honestly, for a big box store, if I was going to buy a bike from a big box store, REI is the only one that I would consider buying it from. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, that's, they're obviously like a boutique big box store. I mean, you guys know just as well as I do. Yep. Like most of their shit's fucking expensive, right? Yep. But like if you're going to go somewhere, like if that's all you have in your area, you don't have a great, great bike shop that you can like lean on. Like usually they hire good people in their bike shop. They, they have decent equipment. Like their return policy is really good. Like you could, you, you can't quite go too wrong there. You're just going to spend a little bit more. And the bikes yeah. that you're looking at that they have in stock are going to be uh, Cannondale, uh, Ghost, and yeah. Salsa, I think, primarily are the the three main ones. Salsa? They sell Salsa now? I think they have Salsa, yeah. They've sold Salsa for a while. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Those, like, unfortunately and unfortunately. So, like, here's the thing. They have a really awesome return policy, and that extends to bikes. Yeah. So no joke, yeah. like in Austin, Texas, some of the most ridiculous finds were in their downtown store where I found like uh, Mavic wheels that got used for a season and I bought them for like 150 bucks, which if you're not familiar, Mavic wheels are like really awesome. They make really good downhill wheels and they make really good cross country wheels. Uh, all mountain and enduro, they're not really well known for, not because... Not because they're bad they just don't really make any that are popular right now anyways the the point is like they had full-on full suspension bikes for like twelve hundred dollars that were like originally three grand three yeah grand. no that's what i was gonna say like full bikes like they definitely have bikes that somebody rode and maybe um they bought a mountain bike they thought they were gonna like it they went out they tried it twice they didn't like it and they're the people that you know kind of fuck up return policies or whatever but they're they're lost your game like you'll see some like some pretty decent bikes there or like tents that would normally be like 500 bucks for like 200 bucks like like they're it, it it's worth that 20 bucks just for the freaking the garage sale that that oh was talking yeah. about yeah well, and say, you get that 20 percent one full price item i don't know like three times a year yeah the other yeah. thing too that i've seen a lot of is electronics um like like gopros i've seen a lot of gopros lower like most of most of my hero four blacks i bought at the rei garage sales for like a hundred dollars to 150 dollars oh, nice still going for yeah. like 300 dollars new i've seen garments too like the, the like really like the 800 which is like five six hundred bucks there like somebody will buy it they'll just whatever reason they're a hard up for cash or they just didn't like it or whatever and 
like it'll say on the box like why it's returned like the, the label will tell you why it's returned it'll be like missing clamp and it's like oh this dude bought it so he could take the clamp out and then brought it back and it was just like got the clamp for free or something like that you know what i mean yeah yeah dude use your cell phone and just google like uh so with the gopros i would usually look for signs of user error like could not get to connect yeah so i actually started carrying like a uh I have it somewhere, but basically like those little mobile cell phone batteries that like you can plug in a USB cable and plug it into your phone for a quick charge. I would just bring a GoPro uh, cable and an SD card and a battery pack and just keep it in my back pocket whenever I would go to the Aria garage sales and I would find one and I would go, oh, uh, would not read SD card. Nine times out of 10, they cheaped out on the SD card and got like whatever thing that like was at CVS. And of course it wouldn't work because it's not fast enough. So I'd throw in a Samsung card, plug in the battery to get it to boot, sync it to my phone, press record, sit there for 10 seconds, transfer it to my phone. Works for me. $100. You, sir, you, sir, are a total genius. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've seen it too before. I, I've actually seen it with a GoPro before where, where I saw the problem that was written down. I knew was like a firmware issue that was fixed. And I'm like, oh, that's it. <laughs> Yep. Wow. So and like other uh, times too, like people will go out and let, let's say they bought the hero six, like a week before the fucking seven came out and yeah. the seven comes out and then they just return it. And then now that's sitting on the, the use, the use or the garage sale, you know? No, they're definitely worth it. And there's a lot of hacks out there. One of these days we'll have to pool our resources and like make that a video. Um, I was gonna, I was going to talk about something because like one of the topics reminded me, because we should probably get back to the whole budget thing. Because now we're just, uh, you know, pontificating huh. on about, you know, I think, I think it works. So, 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 okay, let's do one more this or that. One more because we're we're right around two hours. We started a little late, but we can do one more. So I think this will be the this will be the fucking the uh, the the religious question of the of the day: carbon frame versus aluminum frame. Where are you guys at? Whichever you like. Okay, for bang for buck, alloy. Yeah. Once once upon a time, so when carbon first came out, it was the super exotic, sexy material that was way too expensive and way too brittle. And then it hit like this nice peak where like they refined the processing to where it was super light and super strong and you could send it down a mountain. And alloy was still kind of like the cheap whatever, you know, oh, you're buying alloy? I'm sorry. But then after a while, like manufacturing carbon was really tedious and expensive because everything has to be done by hand. That's one of the reasons why it's so expensive. But then like um, a lot of the manufacturers that work with alloy started, especially in the road cycling world, they started playing with different alloy blends and figuring out tube widths and how to butt the frames. And now it's like, an alloy bike is only maybe a pound heavier than the equivalent carbon. And it's nice now because there's so many brands that offer an alloy and carbon. So it's an apple apples to comparison and it's like a, a buck, buck 50 weight difference. Yeah. Right after I bought my chameleon, which is aluminum or alloy or whatever the fuck it is, it's metal. <laughs> right after i bought that they they released the carbon version and a bunch of people on my instagram and stuff like that were like dude are you gonna get the carbon chameleon i'm like no like why would i first of all the carbon fucking chameleon is like four grand 
for a fucking hardtail. Go screw yourself, Santa Cruz. Like, but honestly, at the end of the day, I cannot say personally at my skill level that I can notice a difference between a carbon bike and an aluminum bike. Even like, at the pro level, there's some people that prefer metal over carbon. Yeah. I I am um, and, and there is no part of me that is like like honestly, dude, if I bought another full suspension bike. If I'm gonna spend a bunch of money on a full suspension bike, I'm gonna buy carbon, just because. Yeah, I want that little bit of a lighter bike. I, that that, and maybe I just want to be happy about saying I have a carbon bike. I don't know what that reason is, but I can tell you right now that if it was a budgetary thing, like for example, my lady doesn't ride mountain bike as much as I do. When I look for a frame for her, if I can't find a carbon one that's cheap, I will buy the same bike in aluminum, and I won't even fucking think twice about it. Yeah. And and I know that like for instance like with my my chameleon, I'm stoked off of that frame. There is no part of me like like the difference between a carbon hardtail frame and weight and a aluminum hardtail frame and weight. You're not getting a pound out of that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe in a full suspension bike where you have like there there's kind of like more to it. You know, there's more material there, but I don't see it. I, I personally like anybody getting into the into biking, like don't think that you have to have a carbon bike. I don't I don't think it's worth it. RC. Well, I'm just kind of like as I put my thought processes through it, I'd say if you're running a budget, it's aluminum all day. Especially if you're trying to cut down some costs, because literally, I mean, that's the difference between uh, maybe getting have an upgraded fork on a build versus and a, and rear suspension versus something else. I mean, me per, if you have all the money in the world, so to speak, and you have unlimited bankroll, go carbon all day, you know. But I mean, it, for me, if I wanted, if I was running a tight budget and I wanted something that I could upgrade or get premium components on, it, it, it's it's aluminum and the, like the next, and I would definitely try to target getting that better suspension and even maybe perhaps a carbon wheel set because yeah. like at, at, at the same time, like I love the performance of a carbon bike going downhill. It's super stiff. It responds immediately. Whereas aluminum is, but it's not comfortable. Uh, yeah, it, I, yeah. I'm sorry. I was going to cut you off for some, I, but, and, and, and I, and I, I see that maybe perhaps we have some agreement there, Robert, but, uh, um, as far as like aluminum goes, it is just so comfortable uh, riding downhill. I don't really think that weight is a component for me in terms of uh, choosing between one or, or the other. But if you're running on an aluminum bike, you're going to have that flex in the frame because aluminum has flex in it. And yeah. if you add something like carbon hoops to it, you get that great performance that you get with carbon rims. And uh, yeah, you're, you're really cooking on a really, really nice build. Now, one of the biggest drawbacks to an aluminum bike is you might not get the bike that you want in aluminum. So no yeah. Yeti, there aren't any Yeti uh, models that are offered in aluminum. I think there are a couple pivot, but I'm not sure. Uh, Santa Cruz has some aluminum models. Um, I will Evil, say, Evil has none. Yeah, I will say, I will, will say this, and I know my channel is mostly a mountain biking channel, but if you were getting a cross bike or a road bike, I would say get carbon over aluminum in that in that yeah. realm because yeah. it it's that flex that you were talking about is way more apparent in those situations. And I honestly just think that that a carbon road bike when I the first time I rode one compared to riding a steel bike or an aluminum bike, it was like wow, this is 
no, I get it. I get it in that. I totally get it in that realm. Yep. But on the mountain biking side, uh, I'm not I'm not sold. Yep. So um this is one thing that I can tell you that I actually really like going from my forty five hundred dollar yeti that was full carbon the sb5 plus to the nineteen hundred dollar alloy gt bike yetis have always had a little bit of flex in their rear triangle and they do this on purpose because they tune the carbon to flex a certain way because the riders prefer it it's just the way they ride they like to kind of like have it effectively absorb some of the chatter um and it's weird because it's now gotten to the point where alloy versus carbon isn't about weight. It's about how you tune the bike to respond because you can tune carbon a lot easier than you can alloy. Yeah. So I, as I got more and more aggressive on my Yeti would start to notice that flex more and more and more. And I really didn't like it. I got on this GT and like that rear end is super stiff because GT has always been about like super stiff, super strong bikes. And me personally, I actually prefer that over the Yeti. Now, other people may hear that about the Yeti and go, oh, yeah, I would really like that because like some of the rock gardens I go through, I hate how like crazy the rear end gets. And I'd really like the rear end to flex a little bit in that way. Then the Yeti's for you. Mm -hmm. And I'd say that running like my SB6 in which I have a Turk frame uh, and Santa Cruz reserve rims, which are probably like kind of more on the the more flexible, and I'm going to throw the quote out there, flexible on reserves. Uh, I mean, hang on, hang on real quick for people that don't know what the Turk frame is. That's the higher end carbon that Yeti runs. So Yeti's like, hey, we'll take you to the bank for this frame. But if you really want to be taken to the bank by the Turk, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, how someone uh, you want to know how you'll know if someone rides a Turk frame. They'll make sure that you know that they ride a Yeti and it's torque. <laughs> no, there's there's a huge difference between yeah. getting uh, Turk and comp. I mean, yeah. they also do CrossFit. <laughs> yeah, okay, CrossFit and are yeah. vegan. They'll tell you everything. <laughs> well, unfortunately for me, I guess I, I have never done CrossFit, and uh, and I eat anything that's uh, stuffed on my plate. You can call me any name you want, <laughs> just don't call me late for dinner. Right? Uh, you paleo, bro? Yeah. No, what you can't pack sampler you man. paleo don't fuck with him <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like i mean uh i'm i'm very hungry we'll just say that <laughs> all right and, uh, like well, sticking on that like ever since i went with carbon uh hoops on a turk frame i mean it is just so stiff it's kind of uncomfortable but does it deliver performance absolutely i will say that sweet hey man we uh we definitely we definitely banged through two hours i think we went a little over but it was well worth it i uh want to tell everybody thank you very much for all the super chats that came up during the show that was awesome i tried to uh type to to those of you guys that were doing that uh, i really truly appreciate it those of you guys that are listening do me a favor i'm not getting comments on my youtube channel because you guys are listening to it on the podcast so if you're listening to the podcast go to where you listen to your podcast and leave a review because I, I noticed lately, I went in, I typed in mountain biking on podcast search, and uh, Biker Bar wasn't in in the top top um, search results, and that's because there's not enough reviews. So do me that favor. Actually, even if you don't even listen to the podcast, go to the fucking Apple and write a review, 
or just leave a comment here on the YouTube channel because that makes a big difference too. Because some of these, some of these uh, biker bars are definitely not getting as many comments because I think a lot of people are, are listening to it after the fact, different ways. So do that. Please hit the thumbs up button if you haven't hit the thumbs up button yet. If you guys haven't checked out their channels, um, the Trail Features channel or the Outdoor Gold or out, RC's Outdoor Gold. At yeah. this point. <laughs> Definitely go swing by and check out their channel as well. They, they have some great content. Um, I also want to say subscribe. Please subscribe to all of us or any of us. If you have a YouTube channel that you're watching regularly and you haven't hit subscribe, just click the button, man. Do, do everybody a favor. All of us YouTubers, we really enjoy seeing that that subscriber count go up. So it means a lot, a lot to us. Um, thank, thank you, all of you guys that 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 have hung out with us for the two hours, whether it's live, whether it's after the fact. Um, definitely, totally appreciate it. Uh, next week's uh, biker bar is going to be about a local race that's going on. So I'm gonna have some guys that are putting together a local race called the Consumness Crusher. And they're going to talk to us about um, uh, setting up that race and how it went and what the race is about and kind of some of the logistics of, of, of making a new new race. So I think it'll be a pretty interesting conversation. So uh, I don't know. You guys, you guys have a, a tagline that you go out with, RC? Well, number one, I mean, I don't really have a tagline, but what I will say is if you like this video, be sure to push the like button. And if you dislike this, uh live stream be sure to push the like button twice and then push the like button because that really uh, gets the algorithm going um yeah. <laughs> but that, that's all i have robert thanks for having me yeah dude appreciate it and joe uh my tagline is whatever bike you have use it to get out there and find your next adventure there you go well now that we're doing the taglines that's this part of the show What's i want you guys all YouTube? hey check this out i forgot to tell you guys how the outro is going to go we have to be quiet whenever i hit the outro button because oh. now we have this smooth video thing that i still haven't figured out how to do correctly so we just need to be quiet while that rolls so <laughs> muting the button right now right <laughs> so so that means that was my subtle way of telling rc to shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> all of you guys man totally had a great time uh, hanging out with everybody. I had a great time chatting with you guys. You guys all remember one thing and one thing only. It only takes a bike to be a biker. Get out and be one, bitches. <laughs>